thought he was watching her, but she was watching him. He thought he was trespassing, but he was invited. He knew he had gone too far. He couldn't stop. He saw exactly what she wanted him to see. master of suspense invites you to witness a seduction, a mystery, a murder, body double. You can't believe everything you see. I am from beyond. Listen, and all you desire will be yours. Welcome to Spider-Man and the Secret Wars. Prepare for battle. in the Clone Wars. Welcome to Brattle World. I am your host, the ever-amazing, ever-spectacular Spider-Dan. And in this podcast, I spotlight entertainment's best-kept secrets that a mainstream audience may find boring. And welcome to Clone Wars, where multiple similar pieces of media clash to be crowned champion. Several go in, and only one comes out. <laughs> so we're doing something a little different today. <laughs> we are expanding the world and expanding the parameters of the Clone Balls for the very first time. You've heard them before, but you've not heard them quite like this. Three films are going mm-hmm. in this time. Three. And I am joined by my biggest fan, who I consider my biggest fan, the most loyal fan of all the podcasts in all the world. <laughs> I am Jack's Musings. How are you, sir? I'm very well, sir. Thank you. I'm proud to hold that title. That's awesome. I love it. It is. It is. A, it's a big title. It means a lot to me. I just want to say how much I've been enjoying your podcast because I mm, think thank you. your voice is one of the most important voices on the Twitter, and now it's in the podcasting world. I love it. You've got so many multiple shows going on. You've got your season's greetings. You know, you've got Pop Gorillas, and mm. and now you're you're a, a co-host of uh, Tony's show, uh, with indie comics and everything. You, you you're busier than me. Uh, I know you can't escape me now. It's a bit scary, isn't it? I have to hear my voice all the time, so now everyone else does as well. Poor people. Tony's been such a an avenue into this well for me, and he just keeps coming up with good ideas, and I keep saying yes. You've got to say yes to good ideas. Tony, Tony's a, full of good ideas. He is, of- yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I would have to quit my job and do, do this full time if, if I keep saying yes to any more, which unfortunately <laughs> I can't afford to do because nobody's paying me for it. But um, oh. anybody, anybody fancies doing that, you know, I'm sure we'll all take it. 
I hear you, brother. I hear you. <laughs> um, I'm, I'll be honest, like, it's been a busy few months for me. I've had COVID. We've done Grimfest. This is my uh, first podcast post-Grimfest, so we're just mm. coming out of that. Uh, fully edited them all. They'll be all, all released very shortly. It's been an amazing experience, but it's been exhausting. Um, mm. I'm dealing with a new job as well and getting my head around that, and it's very technical, um, you know, and I'm not a very technical person. Um, <laughs> you know, I've just had a flu jab today, so if I'm a bit wobbly, I'm a bit... A bit, a bit way, uh, you know why I'm all drugged up, full of full of all the anti the antibodies are kicking in. Um, Very I'm, fitting for the films we're discussing, though. I think. <laughs> yes, yes, I think so. Um, why don't you? Because this was your idea. It's kind of a little collab, like we were yeah. discussing uh, possible co- clone balls in the future and stuff. Um, and I had an idea, you had an idea, and mm. we kind of we kind of merge them. They merge together beautifully into this massive. <laughs> colossal the colossal clone balls as i'm going to call it why don't I you like t- it. tell the people i mean they already know they've seen the title but you tell them what we're looking at in many ways but one in our voyeuristic um, mm-hmm. world view yeah i mean i guess but we you know we're starting with a classic can't we and we're looking at a hitch um and you know we could just basically do a whole season of clone balls based on people who have ripped off Alfred hitchcock i'm sure <laughs> yes. um there's you know, that is that is endless. That is, and that's just De Palma, let alone anybody else. Um, yeah, we're moving from rear window through to body double, which I kept in my head. Kept googling body heat, which I, I knew it wasn't that. But you know, I kept like, mm. I'm going to watch body double today, and then you know, going, I was, and I was totally going in the wrong place. Well, I'm going to hit you with some trivia. So one of the films that Brian De Palma, while filming body double, told the actress actresses to watch was body heat Uh, okay that makes sense yeah 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 so it's definitely there's definitely that in there there's that erotic Mm. thriller noirish kind of feel among among a million other influences in that film yeah (laughs) um and then and then this one was this one was all you though this this Mm. last this last film like um i was aware of it but i'd never seen it yeah it's like a little pretender that i think it's a bit of a sleeper like it was it was a big hit when it came out but i think you know the actor we'll get into it i'm sure has had a bit of a up and down career since but he was hot stuff at the time so we're also going to look at disturbia which is an unofficial remake i would say of rear window it's it's interesting that one as well because before we get started as well, mm. uh, I just wanted to honourably mention a few similar mm. films that could have easily uh, have a, had a clone balls themselves. Mm. So speaking of Disturbia, the re- there was a t- made-for-TV remake of Rear Window with mm. da- Daryl Hannah and Christopher Reeve. Mm. Um, and this was obviously after his accident, and mm. they kind of they wrote that into the script, which I thought was quite interesting. Yeah, amazing. Kind of a new, a new way of, of telling that story. And obviously he's... I've, I, I have seen it, but it's been like 20 years, 15 mm-hmm. years or something. Um, but it was it was interesting to see them kind of use, because obviously with all these films, there's, there's always there's something that kind of keeps them in the house or mm. they, they have a particular issue, be it a psychological issue or physical issue mm. or how, under house arrest. But apparently that the, <laughs> the script was being, the Disturbia script was being shopped around at that point. And they actually go when well. Obviously, this is now being made. We can't really use ours because it's again, uh, mm-hmm. you know, a take on Rear Window. So years later, he rewrote it, modernized it. You know, we're living in this digital computer age. Everything's mm. recorded. But also, there's um, Sharon Stone's Sliver, which I think mm. owes a, li- a little to, which is a, another erotic thriller. Which again, I didn't I, watch that much as a teenager. No, of course not. Of course not. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> you're not the only one. You're not the only yeah, one. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. Um, but the there's there's that as well, and obviously that's about surveillance being watched mm. and the voyeuristic. It's it's weird because Billy Baldwin plays a guy in Flatliners who kind of does the same thing in the because he he records women he sleeps with in that film. That's right. It's been a long time since I've seen that, but yeah, he'll bring yeah. that back to me. Yeah, I do like Flatliners. Great cast as yeah, well. Yeah, cracking movie. Joel Schumacher. He's had his ups and downs himself, you know. He has, yeah, yeah. God rest his soul. But he he was very, very good at what he did. Um, And then there's a couple of films that have come out just this year. Mm. Um, So on Amazon Prime, you have The Voyeurs, um, Mm -hmm. which I think is, again, a kind of more sexy version. Um, And uh, and then there's uh, The Woman in the Window, which you suggested as well, uh, with Amy Adams. Yeah, which I haven't seen yet, but I will because it's got Amy Adams in it. I I hear it's not that great, but I mean, it's got Amy Adams in it, so I will watch it. I'm sold. So here we are. This is it. Mm. It It begins begins so <laughs> i'm gonna i'm gonna keep an eye on the time because we could i think we could talk about rear window body double and disturbia till the cows come home um, agreed because they are I, i've really enjoyed all of these films um yeah. I, I don't think there's a bad one in the bunch uh, no. but we have to have a winner we do have to have a winner uh and i've come up somebody with would them. emerge victorious have to they have to i've even come up with tiebreakers just in case uh, <laughs> uh we come up to that that point but we're not there yet so uh let's begin mm. at the beginning at the inspiration for all these films i've just mentioned uh alfred hitchcock's rear window so tell us uh the plot of mm. rear window i mean sometimes plots are almost like too simple for their own good aren't they but here we have a plot that is simple and it because of its precision, I think. And that's a really good word to use for this this film in general. So James Stewart um, has a broken leg and is confined to his apartment. And during that time, he's got like interested at nosing at his neighbours and what's going on across the courtyard in this beautiful um, design set. And then he notices that the ill wife from directly across from his apartment is not there one morning. And he comes to suspect that perhaps the husband has done away with her and gets his girlfriend and his housekeeper his maid um involved in his um his voyeurism and his spying and his ultimately like plans to investigate a bit of um piing of the books um to see if they can work out exactly what's happened yeah i mean that's it and uh i think it's i think it's brilliant in its simplicity Mm, agreed but but its its delivery is so complex, and there's so many layers. Mm. Um, you know, this is, you know, obviously we're talking about a film in 1954. I want to say 50, 50 something. Sounds about right. Yeah, yeah, 54. Yeah, 54. Yeah. Um, so obviously, there's there's there is still a lot that's fairly relatable to it. You know, mm. there's still there's still something to to find within this. Obviously, probably not as relatable as something more modern like Disturbia, for example. Mm-hmm. But there is a lot there, um, and there's a lot of kind of psychology, deep psychology, and mm-hmm. kind of again this kind of exploration of voyeurism and mm-hmm. peeking behind the curtain, seeing something you're not supposed to. Mm-hmm. Um, you know the excitement, the risk, the danger, the reward. You know, um, I think these films definitely have something to be said about maybe the male gaze as well, and the idea, oh, hundred percent, yeah, the idea of voyeurism because I think that is very much. It's it's a, a common thing throughout the films, um, and you know whether that this is okay, whether it's not. But it's it's interesting because Hitchcock filmed from the set of the apartment. So mm-hmm. so Jimmy Stewart's apartment. <laughs> um, you know, oh, there's a murder going on. There's a murder over there. 
Uh, I've been practicing. You can see. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> um, but he filmed all of all of the everything from there, as in as in we are the voyeurs. Yeah, within the confines. Yeah, filmmaking and and film in a way is voyeuristic mm-hmm. we are looking into people's lives we are mm-hmm. you know if we're what if it's a what if we are the watchers yeah we we see yeah, people yeah. live and die but we can't interfere we can't get involved we'll definitely uh, get into that in body double oh yes very much so very much so um but I, I love that and i love that he he also had we're going to talk about the set in a second because mm. it's insane but the <laughs> oh, all the actors he would direct from that same place. Mm, okay. he, would not, he would not do it from the separate rooms or anything. Mm. Uh, they all had flesh-coloured earpieces. Mm. So, so he'd be like, uh, Miss Torso, would you please dance around a little more? Yeah. Thank, thank you. I'm sure uh, he did say that a lot. I'm sure he did. That, that would not surprise me, knowing old Hitch mm. um, and uh, his affection for blonde women, I, I believe uh, he had. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's call it that. <laughs> let's, let's call it that. It's it's a classic. I saw this. Uh, one of my new Patreon subscribers, a very old friend to me, Simon Cottom, introduced this to me when I was very, very young. So mm. um, maybe my teens, early teens. Mm-hmm. And for such an old film to grab me mm. at, that, at that age was impressive. I have to That's say. interesting because I think I think Rear Window is one of the first Hitchcocks I saw as well. And I'm a little bit, you know, Tony, whenever I talk to him and whenever I'm podcast, he always calls me the film guy which, you know, I'll take, which is nice. Always heaps that bit of pressure on when then you come on somebody else's podcast talking about films, you have to sound like you know what you're talking about. But look, Hitchcock is obviously a master of what he does, but I wouldn't necessarily choose to put a Hitchcock on, if I'm honest. Hmm. But Rear Window, something about it, I agree with you, it really grabs you. And I think, you know, we'll get into it. It's a combination of things, but there's definitely something about it that is special, I think. For research, I asked if you would watch mm. Vertigo as well. Mm-hmm. Because that that because um, body double is kind of a bit of vertigo mixed with rear window, so yeah. it's kind of a little of both. Um, in comparison to vertigo, like there's a reason I don't remember vertigo very well. Mm-hmm. It's because it's, it's I don't find it that entertaining. I think it's very melodramatic. Mm. I think it's I think it's a little dull in places. Yeah, agreed. I think, agreed. I think there's there's you know this is the interesting kind of gothic love story I like the mystery element the the replacements again. There's stuff in it I love, and there's it's really good, and it's well done. And visually, it's quite mm. uh, eye-catching as well. But it doesn't stay with me. It doesn't have that tension like Psycho or like Rear Window. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, 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 so that's why I forget it. I don't tend. It doesn't stick in my mind. I even though, agree. Yeah, it's it's, it's, it's it's a languid movie. Like as you, everything you just said makes it sound more interesting than it actually is. I think the premise is really fascinating. And I think when you delve into the psychology of Hitchcock as a person, and like, you know, you mentioned about his obsession with blondes and that in this movie, a woman is appearance is altered to match a woman who no longer will act for him. Um, all of that's really, really interesting. The film itself, pretty dull. Mm. Yeah, and it's it's unfortunate, but I, I am glad I, I am glad I rewatched it sure. in regards in regards to this podcast. Agreed. But, but it'll be a very very long time, I think, if I revisit it. So um, I love Hitchcock. I love you know Strangers on a Train. I'm a big fan of of a lot of his work. Mm-hmm. The, the Birds is great. Yeah, um, but I think that's one of his his weaker ones. Even Rebecca, I really love Rebecca. I've never seen Hitch's Rebecca actually. Oh, it's so good. I I, I you did a review on the. Uh, most recent one, didn't you? Yeah, the Ben Wheatley. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I would rec- I'd highly recommend Laurence Olivier. Mm. You know, it's it's fantastic. I, and again, you know, a very kind of kind of hoity-toity, well-to-do, kind of stuffy, kind mm-hmm. of almost like a period drama. But it 
he knows what he's doing. Hitch knows yeah. what he's doing. Um, and that's another excellent Hitchcock film, if you haven't seen that. I saw Marnie. That wasn't that great. I didn't really like That's Marnie. the Sean Connery. Yeah, yeah. It's a bit, again, very kind of vertigo for me. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, we're talking rear window. <laughs> get so, back to it. So let's get back on track. Um, so tell us a little bit about the set, because I think mm. all, all of the information I found out about the set is insane. As you said, like it's... I mean, I didn't know that, that interesting point about how it's all filmed from, from Jimmy Stewart's set perspective. But then looking out his rear window, um, you've got this kind of expansive courtyard, haven't you? With a couple of apartments, like kind of, is perpendicular, that's the right word, sort of running yeah. you know, away from you, perpendicular towards the back of the, the apartment block. But, but really that's where your focus is. And we've got about, what, four, maybe five key apartments that we're looking at that we can see directly into. As you said, we've got Miss Torso, He's a dancer. And there's a really fascinating, we'll get into maybe like idea of male gaze with her character, I thought yes. that, was, that was in the movie, way ahead of its time mm. um, in, in many ways, I think. Yeah, then we have this this um, this couple, don't we, um, who, who the mystery revolves around. We have an elderly couple. You let the dog down in a basket, which is mm. super cool. What a great idea that is. <laughs> And they, they, uh, it's a hot night, so they have the mattress outside. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's it set raining. in a really hot summer, isn't it? Correct, yeah. yeah. That's why everyone has their windows open. Very clever, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, because um, why, why why else would everyone have their blinds open, their windows open? Why would you see this stuff? You know, you know, during yeah. the win- winter, that's not going to happen. And again, there's that great line where the, the dog dies, the dog is mm. murdered. Um, you know, if you don't like dead dogs in films, this one no. is not for you. Um, <laughs> it's true. And she's like, we're supposed to be neighbours. We're supposed to like each other and talk to each other. We're not neighbours. Ah. Um, that's a great scene, that bit, yeah. yeah. Really, really tense. And everybody comes to the window apart from uh, uh, Thorwell. Thor- yes, Thor- 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 that, isn't it? Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Um, yeah, some other characters. I, I, my favourite is probably Miss Lonely Hearts. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I that's like, the ugly lady who's like out sunbathing and. Uh, no, 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 no. Uh, that's the sculpture, sculpture lady. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Miss Lonely House is the one in the flat, and she's practicing having dinner with. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. The man, and then you've got the the slightly lonely piano teacher as well. Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah. Piano player who keeps playing his music, tries to. Um, I think we hear. I think we hear that's Amore in the film. I think mm. there's a few other yeah. few other like key bits. But here's another interesting thing as well. Most of the film's music and sounds are completely diegetic, so they are created, mm-hmm. uh, you know, there naturally to give that feel of a, a bustling, you know, mm-hmm. you know, live, lived in city. Everything's going on like totally natural, and and again, mm-hmm. just it just brings you in. And it, like I will say this, you can tell it's a set, of course, yeah. Like that's the that's the only thing that kind of takes slightly takes me out. But again, it's kind of this almost theatrical heightened reality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Which again, kind I don't see him in that way. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I kind of don't mind that. But there's he's Hitchcock is doing so much more to make this real. Like he's Agreed. doing yeah. everything he possibly can to make it as real and as lived in this world as believable as possible. Mm. And and it's incredible. Like you know, um, you know, if if we were going off, kind of. In this in this particular podcast, we're looking at the films we enjoy the most. Like, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. that's number one will be the film we enjoy the most. But these are all very very good films in their own way. And, and mm-hmm. Hitchcock, you know, I'm not going to say Hitchcock is crap because he's not, and we all know that <laughs> <laughs> he was rubbish. He didn't know what he was doing. Um, but there's so much going on, like 
so many levels to the the filmmaking, the psychology, and mm-hmm. and as well, you'll notice that every single you know kind of secondary character, all these people in the windows. Mm all have issues that actually relate to the main character's issue, their relationship, mm-hmm. marriage troubles. So it all kind of feeds back into that. And, yeah. and all and all this, the, the extra characters, the love story, Grace Kelly's character, not in the original story it was based off. Oh, interesting. Okay. All original, uh, created by the writer, created by Hitchcock. Uh, mm-hmm. Grace Kelly's character was actually based on herself as well right. uh, and her lifestyle and who she is and what she does. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, really fascinating. And it gives you this breathing, living world mm. where you can believe all this could happen. Yeah, it's interesting to talk about that artificiality. And, and I think, as you said, like, because um, it was a special set that was made waterproof, wasn't it? When they have mm. the rain, like that's actually happening on set and everything is getting soaked. And I really like the small detail of like this. The, um, there's like kind of like the, the small gap where you can see through yes. to, like an alleyway to the road beyond, which of course is just going to be some sort of backdrop. But you get a couple of shots. The best one has been Grace Kelly's character is walking through and she kind of like stops and waves. But that just adds that extra dimension that's very clever. And obviously, as you said, we've then got the, for them, diegetic sounds of like with the cars and the, the bus of the city. Um, that's a really nice touch, I think, which although you know you're looking at artificiality, that little that little extra thought, that little extra detail helps to, to pull you back into the movie, I think. It's um, it's like when we when I used to do theatre, there's, there's these mm. little, you know, you might be able to see the exit you know, mm-hmm. sign for the fire escape and stuff. But if you can draw them in with these little details, these little kind of flecks and stuff, yeah. um, and, you know, it, and it's, it can only be like a really small thing, but it can really draw you in and make you focus and pay attention mm. and be drawn in to the story, to the action, to the characters. And again, he's doing all of that work. And again, mm. he makes it look easy. He makes it look like it's it's like, oh, this is, this is normal, this, but genuinely... Mm. fantastic but yeah the set actually took i think it was um here's an interesting thing the set actually had water so they had running water systems oh yeah 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 yeah. miss miss torso actually basically lived in her flat great like free accommodation whilst you're working i love it yeah mental so um this is the biggest set ever built by paramount Mm-hmm. Um, with running water, power in each apartment. It cost $75,000 to $100,000 to make, had 31 apartments, 12 were fully furnished. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and it took 50 men two months to build. So it that is insane in itself. That would not happen today. No. No way. Really. No, no. It's, it's just it's just not. But it, it's incredible that Hitchcock had such a name, had such power, mm. such, such clout in Hollywood that you could be like, I need this. This needs to be done. This has yeah. to be done. Probably the only other thing I can think of that maybe goes to that level is when Cameron did Titanic. He only yeah. built half the ship, of course, but the level of detail they went to for that in terms of, you know, he invented a camera that could go deep enough in the ocean in order to find out the exact right lettering and silverware and like he went to that kind of extreme detail but you could probably argue it at the height of his how powers he's probably up in the esteem that Hitchcock was when he was at the height of his powers too absolutely like if you if you're talking like box office success then yeah. Cameron is absolutely up there you know de- you know whatever you feel of his about his films there's there's no arguing with that kind of money he makes oh yeah right big money so uh, <laughs> and you know him constantly going these terminator films are great you should definitely check these new. <laughs> you should definitely check out the newest Terminator film. It's yeah. brilliant, honestly. I fully endorse this one. <laughs> Best one yet. Best one yeah. yet. Yeah, sure, James. Whatever you say. Whatever you say. <laughs> 
Um, so, yeah, so the, the main characters we have, basically mm-hmm. uh, Jimmy Stewart, who is a, a photographer who walked in front of a car to get a good photo and yeah. uh, broke his leg. And uh, you've got Grace Kelly, who's kind of, I will say this, the age differences for the love the love interests in the Hitchcock films are quite <clears throat> huge, really. Like, yes, a bit. Bit, bit creepy, bit weird. Mm. Because uh, I think I think uh, I think Jimmy Stewart was into his fifties, and she, and Grace Kelly's only twenty five. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it was the same kind of the same age difference in in Vertigo as well. But yeah, that was Hollywood back then. But I actually I actually think like Jimmy Stewart's great. Jimmy, mm-hmm. you know, you know, it's they got good chemistry, life. and they've got yeah, they've got good chemistry, and they've got like they've got real character, they've got real pathos, they've got. They've got genuine issues. Like, mm-hmm. like he's he genuinely doesn't want to get married because she's very into him, and mm. you know, and it's kind of this odd this odd couple because she's this kind of uh, well-to-do kind of socialite um, fashionista, um, and he's like this like old photographer who's you know war vet. He's a uh, bit of rough. It's a little bit of rough. That's right. Um, <laughs> and uh, and then you've got his kind of physiotherapist, I guess. Yeah. Maid. I couldn't quite work out what her seems to have like a bit of a jack of all trades. Yeah. I wasn't sure what her role was. Yeah. It's kind of like, you need a massage? We'll give you a massage. Yeah. I think they said in insurance, she works for the insurance company when he. Okay. Something like that. Um, but yeah, she plays, you know, a key part as well. And she gets, you know, very involved in the, the mystery and the unraveling of the mystery. But I, I I love the dynamic. I love the mm. the characters. Again, it kind of brings me back to the the kind of theatricality of it. Mm. And I know, and I know it might just be me being an old thespian. Um, <laughs> but I, I know I noticed a couple of flubbed lines. I was like, really okay. Yeah, I was like, oh, you flubbed that. But but they carry on regardless. You mm-hmm. know, as as you do, the show must go on. Um, but I was like, I was like, oh, they've just flubbed that, but. You know what? That's probably the best take. I'd, you know, the other takes might have been awful for who knows. But I was like, you're not quite, it's it's not it's not like that noticeable. But you can kind mm-hmm. of just like okay. But again, again, they didn't obviously film wasn't as it was probably a lot more expensive back expensive, then, yeah. and they probably didn't have as much. So it was like mm, I'll have to do you know and that sort of thing. Um, even with the money that they were spending, it was still mm-hmm. you know still pro- probably quite expensive um but i i enjoy i enjoy the conflict i enjoy the because there's all the the kind because of, there is like obviously we were talking about the male gaze and the voyeurism and that is challenged within this film even in mm-hmm. 1954 mm-hmm. like you mm-hmm. said with with miss torso and, mm-hmm. and, the, and the stuff involving miss torso and the fact that you call her miss torso yeah um it, you know it implies that you know she's this ballet dancer and stuff um apparently the the the, uh, Miss, the person who played Miss Torso, the woman who played Miss Torso, was was told not to get any dancing lessons because it was supposed to look as natural and you know yeah. like like she was still kind of learning and practicing, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which I really liked. But yeah, there's a lot of that, but it is challenged. And it's like you're you're mm-hmm. a pe- you're a peeping tom. You're a you know you, you, this is weird. You shouldn't be doing this. This is wrong. Um, yeah. And we've also got his friend who's the police officer, the the yeah. doub- doubting police officer, and that's kind of the main cast really. Mm-hmm. Um, apart from apart from speaking of uh, people in wheelchairs, obviously uh, Thorwall is uh, played by Ironside himself, uh, Raymond Burr, okay. uh, which is uh, which is quite interesting. Obviously, you know, they're uh, yeah, a connection there, a little connection, wheelchair connection for the actors. Um, but yeah, I, I didn't know it was Raymond Burr until I looked it up though, because he spends a lot of the time in kind of shadow. 
uh, yeah. that character or far away, so you can't really tell. I don't I don't know what you felt about the kind of the main story and the main plot and the main kind of I think it was really interesting because although it's a mystery, there's not really ever any other suspect. Like you know, I think it's this guy, I think he's done this. And then he has, yes. So it's not about like it's not who done it, it's a like how? how how did he do it and how is he yeah. and is he going to get away with it yeah, which i think is really interesting and, and the other part of it is that that decision to confine this this male character who we are we were talking about the male gaze you're right this yeah. male character in his room in a wheelchair really lends like these female characters it really gives them that that kind of sense of agency and they make decisions which he questions and he does it in a kind of patriarchal sense but they're they're gung-ho i absolutely love it it's brilliant and they take these chances and they do what they think's right in order to get this case solved. And he says, don't do it. Like, don't yeah, do it. You're, you're women. You know, you're going to get hurt. You're going to mess this up. You're going to do that. And they're like, no, we're, we're involved in this. Yeah. You, can't, you can't go anywhere. You're useless. Yeah, absolutely. We're, yeah, yeah. We're going to get the fucking job done. So They've got the spade. They're over the wall. They're going for it. Absolutely. Yeah. It's brilliant. Loved it. And I think um, to, in, in that regard, I think this does have quite a – quite a modern sensibility about us female characters, which in some ways, when we get there, around mm. to Disturbia, it's mm. almost backwards. The male gaze in that is a bit more leering than, mm. it's not a bit more leering, it's a lot more leering yeah. than, um, than Rear Window is because th- this Miss Torso character, as you said, even um, Jimmy Stewart's character in this, I don't know why I'm just calling, I'm just saying that, I- I'm going with it now, because <laughs> he's such a force of nature, I think, maybe. Mm. His character, you, you see him watching for a little while. I, I think as a viewer, when I'm watching, I'm starting to feel a little bit uncomfortable. Like, well, what? Mm. But then you see him make the conscious decision. Like, no, I'm not going to I'm not gonna watch her. I'm not going to kind of peep on her. It's not in a sexual way. It's not in a, an attraction no. way. And then when his policeman friend is in and making commentary, he's like, come on, mate, Like, leave it alone. Like, This isn't appropriate. So I think... Again, like that's, I mean, 54, that's really interesting. Because when we get to Disturbia and it's the two teenage boys, they're like, whoa. Yeah, four. Yeah, she's in the swimming pool. Nice. Yeah. But, but even even Jimmy Stewart kind of gets on board because the policeman then stares at Mrs. Miss Torso. And yeah. then he goes, he goes, how's your marriage? Yeah, yeah, I love it. It's brilliant, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. He totally challenges him. Yeah. Yeah. Cause he because he knows he was wrong. He knows, you know. I've I've been leering. I've been maybe looking at this in in a, in the wrong way because mm. the, like that's that's his that's his kind of his his group of you know this is inner circle is is two women and yeah. you know and they are offering they are constantly offering their opinions in a good mm-hmm. way you know mm-hmm. in a positive way and he's going yeah fair enough and he does doubt himself obviously the. Mm. the the various things where it's like oh well i'm sure but that happened well she's she's in the other country and she said she's there and stuff and, yeah because neither doesn't believe him to begin with do they mm. the challenges ideas yeah and slowly but surely they they get pulled in mm. and, they, and they get and it's an obsession this voyeurism that i'm sure mm. we'll talk about as well in the other films it becomes an obsession and mm. it's something they can't stop themselves doing even yeah. when the, even when they're like all the evidence you know, says otherwise, they still are like, no, 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 I've got to, I've got to keep doing it. I've got to keep watching. I've got to, you know, do that. And, you know, yeah. that, that there's a lot of humor in, I think there's a lot of humor in all the films as well about the mm-hmm. kind of voyeuristic, you know, it's not all like pervy, leery, like deep, heavy breathing, you know. No, not at all. There's a bit of fun and there's a bit of, you know, it knows what it's doing. It's aware of mm-hmm. the, the, the social stigma of the voyeurism and, mm-hmm. and that idea. So it's, it's never like, but like you said, Disturbia is probably the worst one for the the leering and the gaze. Yeah. Um, I would say. Uh, but yeah, I, I, it was yeah, it was quite. It probably was quite 
you know, quite revolutionary at the time to to discuss and to to have that. And obviously Hitchcock loved his, you know, female characters. Mm-hmm. And they, were, they were always very driven and knew what they wanted and uh, have, had a lot of agency, like, you know, Marion Crane in Psycho or, mm-hmm. um, you know, Tippi Hedren. I don't know her character's name in The Birds, but she was like, she meets, yeah. like, she meets this guy. And she's like, he's handsome. I'm going to drive halfway across the country to meet him. And, mm-hmm. then, and then birds attack. Um, <laughs> but they're not easily pigeon. I don't mean this stuff after saying the birds. <laughs> the women in Rear Window aren't easily pigeonholed, are they? Which I think is fascinating. Not the two women in the apartment with him, but actually not the women in all the apartment blocks either. Hmm. You know, when we see, I know it's played for a bit of a gag, but when we see Miss Torso's returning soldier or Navy or wherever he's come from and he's short, you know, that she's making a conscious decision to be with him, not about looks. And yeah. um, as you said, the, the, the scene when the, the elderly lady challenges about the the dead dog, these are all, you know, that could have that could have been the husband's lines. He could have been doing that, but they're given to her as a character instead. I think it's really interesting. And you were saying as well, again, going back to Miss Miss Torso, I think her character alone has a lot to say. All the all the little kind of neighbours and stuff have a lot to say. We've got like the young couple, haven't we, as well? And yeah. Yeah. The the, the honeymooning couple maybe having marital issues mm. already and things. Like we said, it's all kind of links into the main characters and their issues, their personal issues. Mm. But that night where she brings all the men home and Jimmy Stewart and Grace Kelly are are watching them and she She's like, well, you know, she's doing what all women do and they and and is dealing with the wolves, you know, is, is, is trying to save herself from the wolves. And and she has to she has to pick one to kind of let the other ones, she has to go, okay, well, I'm I like him. So everyone yeah. will leave, leave me alone now. But like Grace Kelly's like, she doesn't love him. She's just sure. doing it because that's the way to survive, mm-hmm. which is which is quite sad and quite tragic. But mm. um, and again, like very kind of you know, um, you know, ahead of its time. Um, mm. It was quite, and it was quite interesting. Grace Kelly obviously is, I think, I think she's really fascinating, this her mm. character, because obviously she comes like, there's quite, there's quite a good line where, you know, like Jimmy Stewart's like, well, she goes to all these, you know, fancy to do dinners and all this sort of stuff. Uh, and then she comes in and's like she talks about the scandals, she talks about the fancy dinners, she talks about the clothes, all the stuff he's already mentioned. Yeah. Because he's like, we, we're not compatible. We're not. It wouldn't work. I, you know, I go out and I do this guerrilla uh, photography, guerrilla style photography, and she's like not used to that. But you know, all the way through, she's like, why can't I change? Why can't I do this? Why can't I do yeah. this? Who says I can't do this? Who says I can't give that a try? I want to do these things. I I love you. I care for you and I want to follow you and do this stuff because because of that because I'm interested I can change my life for not for you mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but yeah. I will I will I will take these chances and again that feeds into to what what the women within the apartment go and do later mm. putting themselves in direct danger yeah. um and the and the tense the tension is is that seems brilliant yeah palpable and and Jimmy because Stewart, he's, com- he's completely powerless, isn't he? Yeah. Like she's st- she's in that apartment and he's coming back and there's no way for her to get out and there's nothing um, Jimmy Stewart can do. He just has to watch from that window. So it's where this kind of this flip of the voyeurism and the commentary of like it, you had the power when you were first watching, but but now you're still watching and you're powerless. So it's, a, it's a brilliant it's a brilliant moment in the movie. Oh, love it! I love it. Weirdly, four wall. Though we don't hear him really mm. speak. Mm-hmm. Though we though we don't you know we don't get to know him that well, mm-hmm. there is a lot to that character. There's a physicality, there's yeah. a menace, there's a presence. But again, you could easily play that as, off as just a grumpy neighbour. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
you know, there's a lot of that stuff. And and even and even when even when he comes into the apartment with Jimmy Stewart, mm. again, another amazingly tense moment. Mm. He's like, he's like, what do you want? I don't have any money. What do you want? I did what I had to do. And it's kind of it, it's almost like there's a vulnerability to the villain. Like yeah. but that maybe the 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 one in Disturbia, Mr. Turner in Disturbia doesn't necessarily have. Yeah. You know, he's almost a little Michael Myers y. Um, Agreed. It's much more of a clear, like psychotic character. Yeah. Yeah, it's just you know, it's cut, cut and dry performance. It's a good performance, but it's very like it's A to B. But there's there's you know, it's almost like you know, Hitchcock. I think is quite sensitive with his villains. He like he he tries to relate to them on some level and feel sorry for them on some level that they've got into these situations or you know they've created this life for themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, we get very little. We know very little about him, but we get a sense of him. You know, from these long shots from you know what we see and and again it's like you know it's it's incredible really to do obviously that kind of acting that you know that naturalistic style yet mm-hmm. from such a distance is it, you know it's almost like we said theatrical yet not at the same time yeah. it's very silent cinema influence isn't it in that in that way in that acting and set design and um you know framing the, you know the mise-en-scene is what i'm talking about there really is doing the heavy lifting of the storytelling it's not really the dialogue in this instance which is um interesting to think of the era that it's in you know 54 we're not a million miles away from you know only 20 odd years past 25 years past sound coming in and he's sort of hearkening back perhaps and we know that's where hitch started he started in back in the yeah. era and he was over in germany working on german expressions and movies he had learned a lot of his um craft out there as well so uh, it makes sense that to see how influenced he is by that. It's brilliant. I mean, again, it is a classic film and there's not much we can really say that probably hasn't been said before about it. Um, but I think uh, I think we've said, I think we've said a fair amount. I think we've, we've covered quite a bit. Agreed. Yeah, I think, you know, the, the key things are already on there, like performances and how good they are, like the, the forward thinkingness of kind of characters and, in, and their representations. And, yeah, the, and the production design, absolutely. It's mind-blowing. Yeah. If you haven't seen Rear Window, if you haven't seen any of this, these films, I do recommend all of them. Agreed. Um, I, and I don't say that on every Clone Balls. <laughs> <laughs> Some of them are like, yeah. But, not yeah. the Ewoks, no? Oh, my God. Maybe not the Ewoks, no. Uh, <laughs> certainly not the Ewoks. <laughs> um, but yes, I think it might be time to move on if you yeah, if, if you're comfortable. Unless there's anything else you'd like to say or any other comments you want to make about the film in no, general. I think we're there. I think, um, yeah, we, we we could do an hour and a half just on that, I think, but we've got two more films to talk about. We certainly do. We certainly do. So let's crack on with uh, Brian De Palma's mm. Body Double. Why don't you tell us a little bit about this? Well, this is not a film I was aware of until you asked me to watch it. So I was very pleased to um, to find something new to, to investigate. Obviously, know of the Palmer, know of his obsession with Hitch and and of like these kind of mysterious thrillers. But I just this was one that wasn't on my radar at all. As you said, a combination really of Rear Window and Vertigo. So you were absolutely right to to put those two together to watch uh, to see the inspiration here. And I think he would probably be quite happily happy to admit that that's that's totally true. Oh yeah, he he absolutely wears his influences on his sleeve. He does, doesn't he? Yeah. yeah. But here in this movie, we're playing with kind of metaness, aren't we? Because our main character is a is an actor, an actor. Yeah, he's a bit of a jobbing actor. He's not had a, not had a break yet. You know, he's got. He's, he's, I can I can relate. <laughs> his current gig is in a low budget vampire movie. It appears. Vampires Kiss. 
The vampire's kiss, I know. Yeah, that's a great little nod, isn't it? Yeah, it's not a nod. It becomes a nod later on. Yes. Um, <laughs> I'm not a vampire. I'm not a vampire. <laughs> in the process of, of filming, though, when he's within the coffin, he realises that he suffers from claustrophobia, doesn't he? Um, and loses his job and is a bit down on his luck. So an actor friend, in inverted commas, um, offers him the chance to stay in this really swish wanky futuristic space pod on it, stilts house is it um is it the space needle in seattle i think it is yeah yeah it, like it looks it looks just like that i think i think when i was researching it, it was called the chemosphere or something okay it's it's like a it looks like a spaceship it looks like a it's cool isn't it yeah some, some of our close encounters yeah and then on the inside it's like something austin powers would live in <laughs> Um, it does have the rotating bed. It does have the rotating bed. That's all I could think of when the guy was like, yeah, the bed rotates. And I just had my, my eyes in my head. Yeah, absolutely. And then through through being here and uh, um, his friend shows him a telescope and he's like, this is my favourite part of the day. He gets obsessed with a woman who um, ends her day very strangely doing a kind of yoga come erotic dance number. And he starts following her and becoming a bit of a stalker and craziness and she's from there. It's, it's certainly, it certainly, certainly does. There's a lot of influences here. And again, absolutely wearing them on his sleeve. And I think, I don't think he, I, don't, I like De Palma. I really do like De Palma. If, you, if you've not seen Blowout with, with mm-hmm. John, John Travolta, that is one of my all-time favourite films. It is an incredible watch, an incredible thriller. I think John Travolta, who is wobbly at best, I think, in a lot of his performances, you know, he does vary between film to film. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's phenomenal in it as well. You've got Nancy Allen, John Lithgow. It's it's incredible. Uh, it's a wonderful, wonderful kind of surveillance thriller, slasher. Yeah, and another film that's not shy about um, its influences considering the conversation. Yeah, yeah. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> which, which I also love. But yeah, I, I love his work. I'm, I'm a fan of Scarface. I love the mm-hmm. ridiculous excess 80s of it all. He owns mm-hmm. a tiger. The music's great, whatever. I, th- I think he's an excellent filmmaker. Mm-hmm. But we've got like a lot of kind of slasher, giallo, kind of the Italian yeah. kind of uh, influence in there. Um, I definitely got I definitely got a slumber party massacre vibe uh, with the big okay. drill. That's uh, not one that I've seen. No, it's a it's quite an interesting slasher franchise because every mm-hmm. film is written and directed by a woman. Okay, all right. The entire they've just released a new one recently, a remake. Um, same across the board, written and directed mm-hmm. by a woman. Um, I can't say the rest about the crew or what have you, but yeah. every single one is definitely um, so. It's effectively a feminist slasher genre film franchise. Um, Note this down, sister. Note this down. <laughs> write this down. Slumber party massacre. <laughs> Must watch. Um, yeah. <laughs> I bet. I, I bet. When you started listening to the podcast, you didn't think you'd see all these kind of weird and wacky films. No, but that's why I love it. <laughs> Um, but yeah, there's there's that. There's again, there's big hitch influence. But again, I don't think he just rests on his laurels and goes, "Well, I can no. do that. That works in another film, so I can just do that." He he absolutely plays with it, he flips it, he mm-hmm. turns it, he makes it his own. He adds tension in different ways. He adds suspense in different mm-hmm. ways. You could easily just have made Vertigo and Rear Window and just gone slap them together. But he do, yeah. he does he doesn't do that. There's there's a style, and like you said, there's a metaness, and there's kind of almost like a dream feel yes especially towards the end there's a dreamlike mm-hmm. aspect to it um there is a, a in the middle of it there's kind of a music video slash <laughs> yeah slash to porno relax, yeah. To, to yeah frankie goes to hollywood which i was like yeah. 
uh, okay, Frankie goes to Hollywood suddenly. <laughs> Fine, I, I like that song. Yeah, yeah. Go for it. And he's, you know, they're in the video. They're like hugging him and stuff. And then he becomes like a porno actor. And it is literally like the whole song, isn't it? It's basically like a little MTV video within the movie. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 weird. It's it's a. I mean, I think it's a different version, different cut of the song. But it's yeah. you know, I'm, I can't get enough of that song. So I'm always I'm always here for it. But yeah, it kind of just takes on this weird kind of. I think I think there is definitely a. Obviously, De Palma got a lot of criticism from mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. Scarface and from uh, I think Dressed to Kill and various mm-hmm. things of his kind of. You could argue that some some of these things could be viewed as misogynistic. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you know, the male again, the male gaze and various mm-hmm. things, and and the idea of kind of phallic implements and the you know the blade or the you know the the knife or the drill, you know, uh, all yeah. this sort of stuff, and his sexualization of of everything. But this kind of plays into the the story in this mm-hmm. particular film anyway. So uh, again, you might argue that, but you know, he he believes that you know you you know you wouldn't judge. You wouldn't judge uh, morally a still life painting. Mm-hmm. It's, just, it's just art. You don't have to put any moral imp- implications on it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and that's that's his opinion. I, you know, again, don't necessarily agree. Don't really have an opinion on on his opinion. But yeah, this was a this was a big thing for him, and I think this is a little critique of Hollywood itself. Agreed. A- and the audience's reaction and the critics' mm-hmm. reaction to his films previously, mm-hmm. especially Scarface. Well, initially, the film, he wanted to make this film to have the first unsimulated sex scene in. Yeah, I read that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. However, Columbia was owned by Coca-Cola at the time. <laughs> they weren't no, nah, funnily enough, that, you know... Uh, you know, We're going to replace the holidays are coming Christmas advert with yeah. uh, <laughs> a body double is coming, no? You know, Coca-Cola liked to teach the world to sing, not how to fuck. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but um but yeah uh, apparently that was but it was dropped very early on because they were like yeah. absolutely not gonna happen not gonna happen but yeah i think there is there is a lot of this i related to a lot to this because obviously struggling actor yeah, yeah. you know you know i've been i've been you know i've i've had you know relationships fall apart on me quite quickly as well um because and barbara crampton makes a little cameo in this uh scream mm-hmm. queen barbara crampton which is very nice but yeah it's it's quite interesting to see the development of the story and where it goes and mm-hmm. kind of all, all the pieces fit together. I'll be honest, there was uh, the, the the Native American character. Yes. Which is probably the most problematic thing in it for me. Yeah. Um, it wouldn't happen now, would it? No, absolutely not. And it's it's quite a, it's quite grotesque as well. Um, mm-hmm. Initially, I didn't think he was he was a Native American. I just thought he was just a, an ugly guy. Yes, yeah, like, I agree. Me like too. A, yeah, just like a disfigured guy or something like a... I don't know, like a Jaws or something like that, like a James mm-hmm. Bond type villain. But then it is like, oh, he's, he's they use they use the 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 term that is not Native American in the film, but we're going to yeah. use the term Native American to describe him. Yeah, that 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 made that made me the whole idea of that and yeah. what, what's revealed in the end made me uncomfortable because the other stuff I'm quite used to. I, I'm you know I'm quite a fan of horror and slasher genre mm-hmm. stuff, so, mm-hmm. so this is all quite kind of standard for me. It's kind of stuff I've seen before, and again, not in a bad way, not done in a bad way. But I I think they kind Kind of mesh the two. I think they take the best parts of Vertigo yeah. and, and make it better. I will say that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if I had to watch one or the other, I would watch Body Double over Vertigo every day of the week. Yeah, um, I mean, there's so much to, to unpack with this movie, isn't there? I think it's mm-hmm. worth starting with that, with the with the twist and the Native American character, because I think we spoke about Real Window about the idea that there is no real twist and there's no real surprise, and the mystery is is how rather than who. I don't know in this film if you're meant to know or not that it's we're spoiling right 
Yeah, sure. Yeah, spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. Go so, ahead. so the so the friend that's that's you know a friend that set him up with the with the apartment is the one that's in disguise and this kind of like makeup and it's been a whole like I still don't really know why this whole like ploy and plot to to help him off his ex-wife yeah. or his wife very convoluted way to go about it I mean it was obvious from the very first shot when he's in the I thought when he's in the apartment that it was him yeah maybe that's because we've watched too many of these movies or what I don't know maybe in you know if you're watching it for the first time you wouldn't get it and I again, also it comes back as a Native American character again it was like well it's obviously him yeah um what did you think I, I felt the same way I went well that's him that's him mm-hmm. you know and I, I also go because <laughs> I'm always a bit I'm a, always a bit suspect someone who's been a little bit too nice right yeah <laughs> so I'm like I'm like mm, he's been a little bit too nice this is a bit too good he's he's showing he's, he's like oh by the way here's this this telescope that, <laughs> that, sh- that shows you a woman sexually dancing and you know and then touching herself you know check out that and again, like he's, he's checking up with the calls and stuff. And I'm like, yeah, it's, it's him. It, like all the way through, all the way through, I knew it was him. Like even yeah. the makeup is not that good that it would conceal the actor behind it. Uh, you know what I quite liked about some of it? Mm. I, you know, you know, like in like slasher movies where the, the killer always kind of catches up to you. Yes. Uh, and you don't know how, how quick they are. In this, you get to kind of see the slasher villain like running down an escalator. That's in. true. Yeah, 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 yeah. You've given so, it some to get there. Yeah, and so you kind of again like kind of subverting that, but that's almost kind of scarier as well because he's mm-hmm. like it's absolutely like belting down trying to follow this woman, mm-hmm. um, and obviously this actor is now he's he's a he's been he's watched her and now he's seen the the Native American character watch her so that yeah. he feels like he has to protect her because mm-hmm. he fancies her, you know, which yeah. you know I can't blame him really. Um, a very beautiful woman. Very beautiful. Um, I want to say Deborah Shelton. I think uh, the actress the same. Sounds about right. But yeah, so he he then kind of follows you. There's a great sequence through the mall where again, it's it's done better than Vertigo. The mm-hmm. the, the idea of He's that. He's pulling it to the museum and the. It's just like it's just done so much better. The pacing's better. The camera mm-hmm. the camera is smoother. It moves around. You know, you feel like you again, like much like Hitchcock did with Rear Window. Yeah, it's almost like a POV. You feel like like the, the Palmer's can- use of camera has always been has always been excellent. So he took his framing, I think, from 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 Hitchcock, but he pushed on what you could do with the camera compared to what Hitchcock was in his era. Yeah. Um, you know, even in bad movies like Snake Eyes, that opening twenty minute sequence, which has um, got a couple of hidden cuts, but is un- is an unbroken shot. You know, the stuff he could do with the camera was fantastic. So, yeah, I agree with you. Sorry to cut Ivy there. But, no, no, no. Go ahead. Yeah, that, yeah, I agree. Like the way he moves the camera in that scene is brilliant, and that that's where the real. Because I think before we've been probably along. You know, you and I have just done it. To be fair, we've been along with the character on, in his voyeuristic nature. But here's where we start to question it when he's perving over her in the changing room. And we see yeah. the reaction of kind of the shopkeeper. Yeah, I think that again, that's kind of like in Rear Window where they're going. Well, you probably shouldn't be doing that. Like, yeah. And then him keeping the underwear. She drops the underwear. Yeah. I always thought that was a bit weird though that she just drops that. She buys this expensive pair of underwear. She tries it on, buys it, and then just drops in the bin anyway. I don't. I mean, trying on underwear for a start is odd. I don't want to buy a pair of pants that someone else has tried on. Um, yeah, I don't think they have to. I don't, we try I don't, on pants. I mean, I mean, obviously they have. Like now, nowadays they have a kind of a, mm. a, a hygiene strip, I believe they call mm. it, um, that covers up the, you know, the affected area. Uh, let's call it. Yeah, I, it was just bizarre. Obviously, mm. calls sec- the security guard is useless as well. He was, <laughs> he really what is. a fuck! It was like, what are you like, doing, mate? Oh, oh, don't worry about it. It's fine. He walks yeah, off. He walks off. I know it's amazing, it. isn't it? All, awful, awful security guard. But um, then we kind of get. Again, I mean, the pants are only needed for Chekhov's pants later, aren't they? <laughs> Check for the, for the, pants. For the detective. 
Yeah, true, and uh, and it, it does, but it does remind me of um, of Vertigo because there's that scene in Vertigo after the woman dies where they absolutely rail against Jimmy Stewart's character. Mm. They, like, they go really hard on him, like he's a bit useless, and he probably he wasn't involved, but he probably cost that woman her life. Yeah, uh, yeah. And he's complete arsehole to him, and again, it's the cop in this as well. Definitely not so much in Disturbia. There is a little bit of something, but it's not quite the same. But I think one of my hi- one of my highlights of of the film. Obviously, mm-hmm. they meet. They finally meet. He says mm-hmm. he, gra- he manages to get her purse back. Uh, I, she gets she gets mugged by the Native American. Yeah, yeah, on yeah, the beach. yeah, yeah, on the beach. Um, which but De Palma wasn't a fan of that sequence going between all the little huts and stuff. He said it was poorly done that part. And I, I, I can I, th- I thought it was fine. It's, it's not, a bit cliche, I suppose. Yeah. In a way, but. But there's there's better stuff in the film. I will say the that. apartment block looks amazing. The shot from that that felt very kind of rear window like yeah. design. Oh, it was gorgeous. Yeah, and the, the long running windows, mm. clear windows. Again, we don't get to see any other kind of characters really. I think there's a little bit of kind of he looks around a little bit, but nothing nothing mm. too much. But again, that's not the focus of the film. The focus is yeah. the woman, um, Mrs. Uh, Tramel, Travel, Tramel, something like that. So yeah, so we see that they meet. Like another thing that's good about this is in Vertigo. They don't really use his vertigo. It's not as recurring a theme. You're not considering it's the name of the film, no. Yeah, like it happens maybe three times in the film, really, mm. in the original. I feel like I feel like we're just shitting on vertigo. <laughs> mm. It's not. It's not great. I'll, that's I'll, my I'll be honest. Yeah, it's 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 a very average movie for me. Yeah. So when he catches it, he ca- he get, catches yeah, up, yeah, he gets the, the yeah, and he runs through the tunnel, and he's like, yeah. <gasps> you know, and he starts. And I like that in this film, it's more recurrent the problem of claustrophobia, <laughs> and it's really effective. Um, he the the actor basically just kind of freezes and stuff. Mm. Um, and starts like not being able to breathe. It's like it's almost like, um, and we learn kind of there's a kind of an acting psychology sesh early on where yes. he's kind of like revealing that he kind of got stuck behind a fridge when he was playing hide and seek when he was a kid, and you know that's a, a big issue for him. And but mm. it's only really kind of started to affect him recently. But yeah, I, I really like that. But then we, <laughs> we get this very bizarre. I will say I love uh-huh. I love the love theme. For this film, yes, it's great. Yeah, you know, yeah. I think it's um, I want to say Pino Danagio. I think the track is called Telescope. Makes sense. It, it's brilliant. It's brilliant. It's so so good. It, it reminds me a little bit of True Romance. So the kind of the music from that a little mm. bit, like the steel drums. I hadn't done that um, together, but yeah, absolutely. But he just kind of meets her, and then all of a sudden they just have this very melodramatic spinning kind of kiss that goes yeah. on for ages. And then basically almost I mean, ages it goes on for. It, it goes on for a bit too long. Um, and I, by, I thought what it was doing was it was going to do that and then it was going to transition into like her bedroom or, mm-hmm. or his bedroom. But no, it just keeps spinning around on the beat. And he's, <laughs> it's almost like he's tearing he's tearing a shirt off, her boobs almost falling out. And, yeah. like, and then later on he's trying to call her and he's like, um, hi, uh, I've got your I got your number off your card. And, uh, you know, you might remember I'm the guy who almost fucked you on the beach. Yeah, yeah, she might remember that. Yeah, maybe, maybe. I don't, know, I don't know how she'd respond to that <laughs> phrasing of of that, but um, you know. Uh, but then, th- my favourite sequence happens: the kind of the murder. Yeah, yeah, uh, it's great, and it just it works so well. There's a lot of tension there. You've got the dog. Mm-hmm. Um, he he's like, no, no, he's behind you. He's going to kill you. And you know, he's got the telephone wire. He's plugged in the massive drill, yeah. and then he, he walks closer to her, and the plug comes out it's it's really a really tense situation and yeah biting absolute biting tension um and it is a real kind of 
it's a it's a it's a it's a level up from I'd say rear windows kind of that same mm. sort of sequence. Mm-hmm. This is where you know that if you hadn't got it before this point, I mean, if you hadn't got it from the swirly camera, obviously that was completely ripping off Vertigate. But if you hadn't got it from that scene, the kind of the eking towards tongue-in-cheek nature of this movie and the commentary on filmmaking itself is what, personally, is what I got from a lot of it. Mm. Like that, that scene you're talking about is amazing. The oversized phallic nature of that drill and the sense of like the, the lead getting stuck in the pub coming out and him, like all of that is so over the top. Hmm. that it's clearly De Palma's fuck you to all his critics, 100%. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, it's a criticism on Hollywood, the yeah. making of movies, the all the bullshit pretension and yeah. uh, hoops you have to jump through. Like, I, I get it. And I, I related a lot to this, and I saw a lot of myself in the um, mm. in Craig Craig Wasson's character. I think he's, yeah. He's great. Like, he makes, like, he's a, you know, he's, he's an affable guy, he's a nice guy. mm, mm. But he's also kind of a blank slate as well. But you yeah. still you still like him, you still relate to him, even though he's doing some of these sleazy things, you can kind mm-hmm, of go, mm-hmm. well, you know, I can see why, you know, he's been put in that situation. Maybe he'd lean towards that and stuff. But I, I really like that. And I, I think that whole sequence and then him running, like grabbing the joggers. That's great, yeah. Yeah, he's like, come on, help me, help me. And then and then he can't get in. And we realize later that the Native American had the key card and stole that from the, the handbag. The handbag, yeah. Um, and the dog attacks uh, Craig Wasson's character. Yeah. And you're like, what's the dog doing there? He should be upstairs attacking the, the guy. What's he doing? And obviously that comes... I was... By then I was like, oh, yeah, because it's he's the guy. He's the... Yeah, 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 because it's his dog, the, yeah. He's the husband. So, yeah, the dog's not going to attack him. He's going to attack the intruder, and that's and that's him. And then you get that wonderful, like, shot of the drill coming through the floor. Yeah. Um, and, and again, uh, Brian De Palma said, you know, I had to have a weapon that could be seen from very mm. far away. So mm-hmm. it had to be an over, overly ridiculously large phallic drill, you know, because he's miles and miles away. You wouldn't see like a knife or a blade or something like that. Or, I did think when they, like, there's a, there is a lot of like tongue-in-cheekness about it. Like you said, there's a lot of kind of... I think so, yeah. There's satire, there's a lot of jokes, a lot of, there's a lot of humour to it, more, more so than Rear Window, which though has humour, can be a little bit stuffy at times. My favourite character in the whole film has to be uh, Melanie Griffiths, Hollybody. What a performance. And that is, you know, the title of the film really, you know, tell, tells you what's going to happen It to be honest. So maybe that's why we both knew that the, the villain was that guy. But of course, there's a second body double, which definitely completely got me. And yeah, she's fascinating when she comes into it. It's one of those times when um, an actor has a smaller part, but has the biggest impact 100% she you, you can see and I, and I think she talked about the fact that you know she would not have got work and go without this movie and like but she she is electric on the screen yeah absolutely she's she's sensual she's sexy she's mm. got agency she's got power she's got charisma uh and she's hilarious like all of the lines yeah. uh like you know I got a lot of um Temple of Doom vibes from her character you know, it's like mm-hmm. You know, like screaming at stuff, going, "What's yeah. going on? Why are you doing this?" Indeed, that type of thing uh, from Kate Capshaw in Temple of Doom, like her mm. character, um, and and I, and I loved it. And I, I've, I'll be honest, I could have done with kind of more, like her introduction, maybe a little bit earlier or a bit Agreed. more of it, because it is kind of a, it is kind of a film of two halves, a little bit, much like yeah, I mean, two thirds of the way through, I'd almost say actually, is when she comes into it. Yeah, yeah, and and I guess it kind of is that because it is Vertigo and it is a Rear Window, so it does feel somewhat mm-hmm. but but you know that's afterwards that but that kind of happens in vertigo as well it's the kind of like you go yeah. through a depression start seeing her everywhere and then 
you know, meets the person who impersonated her and leads further into the mystery, tries to figure out the mystery through knowing that person, getting to know mm. that person. Um, I love the I love the going into the world of the pornography as well, like a, him as an actor delving into that kind of seedier side. Yeah. It's really interesting. It's a fascinating scene, isn't it? He goes for the audition. And um, again, you know, that idea of you were talking about how like um, the commentary on, you know, what it is to be like a jobbing actor and an interview process and, and all that kind of idea. You get get, get through this scene. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we know a lot of people are asked to do things that, that they shouldn't have been asked to do. Mm-hmm. Um, all of that's come out a lot. So there's definitely a lot of commentary going on throughout this movie, yeah. Absolutely, and and I think it was like that. the 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 secret the language that Melanie Griffiths uses mm-hmm. in this film to describe the things she won't do in a porn film was yes. pro- was probably pretty shocking back even back then. Yeah, yeah, she just like a long list, doesn't she? Of like yeah. well, these are the things that I'm not willing. To- yeah, absolutely, yeah. yeah. And like that, that is you know that's something like oh my god, like even the character is shocked, like how yeah. How- because she says it so casually, because it's just her life. Yeah. This is just something she does. Um, or what, you know, these things she's like, yeah, I won't do that, I won't do that. You know, it's just part of that world. But he's kind of becoming part of it. And then again, we got that big, yeah. kind of weird music video porno thing going on. And um, and there's a really, there's a real amazing little cap off to that scene. Because he goes in, he's, he's playing this porn act he's being a porn actor he has well, he, he me- he's meant to be like the the nervous guy that's that's it's, it's again like an, another meta commentary isn't it on like he's a nervous guy in a scene playing a nervous guy in a scene it's very clever and Sorry. Li- yeah no no and his line is oh i like to watch that's yeah, you right. Do. Yeah, yeah you do. Yeah, 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 you do. Then he has sex. For, <laughs> he has sex with has sex with Holly Body on camera, which mm-hmm. you know, you know, he's a braver man than me. I'll, I'll put it that way. And then um, Rob Paulson. I don't know if you know him. He's a he's a voice actor. Um, no. He was Raphael in the original Teenage Mutant. Ninja okay, okay. And he was also Yakko in the Animaniacs. And his line after that, because they obviously they climax. They have you know they finish having sex, and he just goes. Where's the cum shot? Yeah, <laughs> he's like, he's like, where's the cum shot? We need a cum shot. Um, and obviously, he, you know, he's not a trained porn actor. He's just kind of get. And then yeah. he, I love him when he comes in and he's pretending to be this big guy with slick back hair and this, um, yeah, 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 this kind of kind of leather jacket and stuff. And he's like, yeah, I'm a, I want to put you in my movie. Yeah, let's do this. And then eventually, he's like, no, 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 I'm just. Unfortunately, I've used you, but I need to know if you were there and if this guy hired you to mm. to uh, revol- resolve the mystery. Um, I, I think know- that scene when he comes in with his hair all slipped back and stuff shows because I think you I think you could watch this thinking Craig Wasson isn't a great actor. I mean, he's not got on gone on to really do anything, has he since? But I think that scene shows that he is a good actor, and actually he's and it's that layer of thing that I imagine really hard to do. I've never been an actor myself, but like a good actor playing somebody who's not a very good actor. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, you know what I mean, but I'm trying to yeah. explain it. Like, Craig Wasson is the guy, and then he's playing this character, and that character is not a very good actor. That while must pl- be really while, hard to play. While playing another character, yeah. So it's Yeah, because when a, you see him acting as somebody else, then he's a it's a, it's a layered performance. Absolutely. Like and 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 all and all credit to him. Like he's he's a very plain looking guy, and I think that's mm-hmm. the point he's supposed mm-hmm. to be. He's supposed to be the relate. He's the you know he's the your, every man, isn't he? Yeah, yeah it's your cipher. You know, he's your way into this this mm-hmm. very very bizarre world um, with these very bizarre visuals and this dreamlike nature. I was going to say that vampire uh, outfit. It, it gave me a lot of kind of uh, Buffy Spike vibes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you see that yeah. with the bleach blonde hair and the kind of leather and and everything? Definitely. I, was like, I was like, yeah, very Spike. 
before Spike. But, yeah. Uh, another another thing. I know. Uh, are you a fan? You're a fan of American Psycho, right? Oh. I am. Oh. Until the end. Yeah, I I I, I get that. Yeah. But but you know, the, arguably, this film has a similar end mm. that the whole thing may not have occurred which works a lot better here i think than it does in american psycho yes i would agree i would agree yeah the the ending was always a bit wobbly for me as well uh for for that but i do on, but, the, sorry, on yeah. the whole um but i was going to say uh brett easton ellis's novel mm. patrick bateman rents this movie like 25 times this is like one of his favorite movies i don't think it's referenced in the film I no i don't remember i mean i've not read the novel um it, i don't remember mentioning the film no because i think otherwise i would have heard of this and probably would have gone and watched it yeah, probably. I mean, I'm sure you listened to Huey Lewis in the news. Of course. Of course, straight after that film. Uh, <laughs> and Genesis, I'm sure. Dancing around with <laughs> a Mac on and, you know, axe killing somebody, yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, why wouldn't you? Very relatable. It, yeah, like you said, it's very it's very similar. He manages to get find... So a Hollybody gets captured by the, the Native American. Yeah. Um, or Sam, I think he's called as well, or... Mr. Travell or Tramel, whatever name you want to use. She gets captured, she gets taken. Craig Wasson's character sees this, goes, goes for him, mm. goes to try and save her. Every obstacle you can think of, police, more mm-hmm. claustrophobia. And then while he's in the, he's getting he's getting beaten up. Um, we get the reveal that it is not a Native American, it is actually Sam underneath all this. Yeah. The fellow jobbing actor. Um, and then he falls into the grave and starts feeling that claustrophobic feeling. And again, every time that comes into play, I'm always like, oh, great. Yeah, sure, that yeah. Kind of, that kind of effect, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm feeling this now. And I can, and he's like, and it, like, even at the start of the film, when you see that, it's quite horrifying. His, um, his vis- visage is like, his whole face is like, what is wrong with him? Like, it's yeah, just, yeah, yeah. Something is really, really wrong with him. And, and obviously they pull him out of the coffin and stuff. Mm-hmm. But then in this sequence, it kind of, again, we get this kind of, like it's almost like the the top of the grave's getting further and further away as he falls into yeah. the the abyss of the claustrophobia. Very train spotting in that in that scene when um, Renton's overdosing. Yeah, I didn't think of that actually. Yeah, it's very similar. And then he wakes up and he's in the coffin at the studio, and he's you know, and it's it's almost like was this a dream? Was yeah. this is this still going on? Did this happen? But he's not in the costume he was in. He's in what he was wearing in the coffin in the That's grave. Right. Yeah, sorry, in in, in the grave while he's being. You know, feeling yeah. claustrophobic in the coffin on the set. He's 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 there in the same in the outfit um, that he is in real life, supposedly in real life. Um, yeah. That's hard to explain. <laughs> um, no, no, yeah, yeah. So it's like it's like he's like he's been transported, like him and that man has been transported, if you like, back in time or to yeah. And then it's that that during that therapy scene, it's like you must act, you must act. You're not you're not trapped. You're not dead. You're not this dead yeah. bug or whatever it was. You must act. Um, and then I must. I think he kind of relates that back to being an actor, and yeah. and he's like, "Oh, well, you're going to fire me." He was like, "No, I won't fire you." And I think it's the guy from NYPD Blue, isn't it? That kind of loudmouth cop. It is, yeah, yeah, yeah. From Die Hard Two as well. Die Hard Two, yeah. And he's in Psycho Two actually as well. Who's again playing another loudmouth? Uh, <laughs> he's good. He's good at the loudmouths. Yeah, sure. Um, but um, yeah, he's a loudmouth in this loudmouth director, and. Uh, yeah, and he's like, no, no, I won't fire you. I promise, I promise, I promise. And even his, like, oh, my God, that, that was relatable as well when his agent was like, oh, you've been replaced by another actor. And, he, <laughs> and he's like, who, who is he? Who is he? He was like, you know, how do you know How do you know he's, I've been replaced? He was like, well, the other actor's on my books. Right, yeah. 
<laughs> I've had very similar experiences with agents, so it's very it's very lifelike. So I found this very relatable. <laughs> um, but yeah, and then and then he's like he starts being this very aggressive and like mm. he starts like kind of psyching himself up and he's like, no, no, we're going to do the scene again. Get me back in that coffin. I'm gonna get it right this time. He's like, you better not fuck it up. And then he transitions back into real life and climbs out of the grave and yeah. um you know knocks not- Sam and the dog yeah. into, into yeah. the river. Another dead dog. Another dead dog. It's just dead dogs all over. Um <laughs> let's hope Disturbia doesn't have any dead dogs. <laughs> <laughs> not only that, then it kind of ends with like again another kind of panning away, kind of mm. drawing away like Holly Bodies like, don't murder me, don't murder me. You're a weirdo, you're a voyeur, you're a peeping Tom, you're a killer, you're gonna murder me. And then he's back on the set in the vampire film during the credits. And there's a scene where they get in a body double. And and that was quite that was quite interesting where she's like, you know, oh, my breasts are really tender today. I'm on my period. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And all that sort of stuff. I was like, oh, this is this is really weird. Yeah. But I, but I quite like it as well. It's kind of a bizarre kind of transition. And then we see Holly Bodies on the set, implying that they're maybe in a relationship or friends or mm. That she that he he's gotten her out of pornography and into like real acting or something because he does genuinely say she's a good actor like mm. he goes your acting is great like you don't need to do this yeah 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 yeah, yeah you can be but he it, also it also doesn't shame her so he doesn't shame her going no. you know it's a bad thing this is a sinful thing you know it's a career but he's like you could do actual acting as mm. well if you wanted to uh, and that was another thing with this film is they hired a lot of adult film stars mm-hmm. to play adult film stars. I mean, I think you've done a great job of trying to explain that because that is a really convoluted, complicated thing to try and <laughs> to try and get across. And when I was watching it, it made me think of um, Jim Jarmusch's The Dead Don't Die, his zombie movie, mm-hmm. which has the scene in the car right at the end where they kind of break the fourth wall and it's like, oh, we're in a movie and this is what's going to happen later. And, oh, we're not going to survive. And it really doesn't work in that film. It's it's horrible. It really jarred me out of it. And really, I don't know if you've seen that. I've not I've not seen it, but I have heard very mixed things about it. It's, it's okay up until that point, but then there's just this moment um, that I've just ruined for you and everybody else that hasn't watched it, um, <laughs> where they, they start talking about, well, we're in this movie and he's decided this is what's going to happen in the script. So in two minutes, you're going to get killed by all these zombies. But again, here, something about it just, just works. It's just... Because I think it's already told you before earlier in the movie that A, this may be like a whole entire kind of uh, a dream or in the imagination of the character. And as you said, it has that kind of like dreamy, nightmarish feel to it anyway. But also, De Palma's made it very clear to anyone that's paying attention that it is this meta commentary on making films and working in this industry. That when he starts cutting backwards and forwards, you, you're you're seeing him talking about the artistry. and Maybe even the editing process or something. Agreed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, you know, like... Um, screen testing um, and people, you know, making decisions that that are nothing to do with the, the original art and the idea. So I think something about it just works here because it's meant, it's meant to be asking, it's meant to be challenging you and how you view films and, and your understanding of how they make films rather than it just trying to be clever. It's not meant to be like a clever wink, wink, oh, no, no, I say no, smart no, no. moment. It's meant to be a, like, have a think about what you've watched and have a think about the process of filmmaking and voyeurism. Before you, and, yeah, before you criticise or critique yeah. or say, oh, it's too violent or it's misogynistic or whatever mm-hmm. of your opinions are on it. Like, Roger, Roger Ebert actually loved this film, but a lot of critics hated it. But it's almost... I can, I can kind of get... I can understand yeah. I, I, I can get why you wouldn't be into this. Like, mm-hmm. I, I, I totally can... It's not going to be everybody's back. Like, end of the day. No. You know? And those arguments could be made... Like, don't get me wrong. I think somebody could sit here and talk for as long as we have, absolutely yeah. ripping on it, and, and and I might agree with some of what they're yeah. saying. 
Absolutely. And and that would be a good conversation to have and, you know, mm. le- learning experience for everybody. Um, but I think what you were saying is it's almost like it's a it, we're being voyeuristic. Um, like everyone wants to see behind the curtain. Everyone wants mm-hmm. to know what goes on behind the scenes. So it's almost like we're being voyeurs on the filmmaking and yep. behind the scenes and, and how films get made in this very, again, bizarre meta-commentary, mm. you know, film you know, it, it's it's all kind of a big melting pot, but it does work. It does really mm-hmm. work. It does, and and it's stylish as well. It's slick. It's set like the sound is great. The music is great. Mm-hmm. Um, again, that's this. Uh, I think they called it a sex spencer. Uh, yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. Like a not a suspenser, but a sex spencer because it was all kind of very erotic and stuff. Um, but yeah, uh, speaking of um, speaking of Slumber Party Massacre, mm. one one of the stars of Slumber Party Massacre is in fact in the film. Oh, okay. Which yeah. character is that? Uh, Brink Brink Stevens. She plays one of the kind of background characters in mm-hmm. the uh, in the kind of uh, porno music Frankie Goes Hollywood scene. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Um, I mean, get on YouTube and just watch that scene. I would say just for just to get a flavour of what you can expect. And if you can get on board with that scene, I think you could get on board with the rest of the movie. I think so. If you if you're open to that kind of ridiculousness and over the top yeah. and you know sleazy eighties brilliance, if you will. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you, you're thinking about the era that it's coming in because what was this? 84, 86. So. Yeah. Yeah. 84, um, I think. And knowing, as you said, right at the top of this. Um, what the Palmer just done himself in terms of his films, um, you should know what you're letting yourself in for, really. Absolutely, absolutely. There's a couple of things I want to mention before we carry on. Yeah. Because uh, we've still got another film to go over <laughs> before we compare. Like with Sharon Stone's character in Basic Instinct, yeah. a lot of actresses would turn the kind of roles down based on nudity or basic mm-hmm. things mm-hmm. they were supposed to do, which is fair enough. You know, if you don't want to mm-hmm. do it, you don't mm-hmm. want to do it. Um, so uh, Tatum O'Neill, Jamie Lee Curtis, Carrie Fisher all auditioned for the role of Holly, but mm-hmm. turned it down. Brooke Shields was offered the role, but turned it down to study French literature at Princeton. Okay, well that's a that's a different type. I could definitely see Jamie Lee Curtis in the role. Oh yeah, she would have been great. I mean, I mean, you, you only have to watch True Lies. Yeah, that's exactly what was in my mind. Yeah, yeah, and just see that sexy dancing. Um, the others I'm not so convinced about, but. I think I think um, you know the right person got the role anyway, but Jamie Lee Curtis would have would have done something good with it. Speaking of James Cameron, Linda mm. Ham- Hamilton was also in the running, but she chose to do Terminator instead. Good, which I think was a good choice. Yes, agreed. And one more thing, the original trailer, um, mm. which I'm going to use as the intro to this podcast. Oh, so nice. You've, you've already heard it. Won a Clio Award, which is a marketing or advertising award. I will have a check of that when we finished. I'll I'll send you the link. I'll send it yeah, over. Please it's, do. It's it's quite good. It's quite classy. It's almost like <laughs> a per, it's like a perfume ad. Oh, um, love it. Okay, all right. So again, De Palma playing with concept preconceptions and and how to advertise and yeah, lovely. That was Body Double again. I, I recommend all these films. Go and watch mm. them. Make your own decision. Let us know. I'm I'm always interested to see what uh, people's opinions are. Definitely. But yeah, the only thing I read, I don't think we've covered that's really interesting is that De Palma's. The scene you're talking about when Craig Wasson's character is stuck behind a fridge, that that happened to De Palma. Did it? That, 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 that when he was a child, he was playing hide and seek with his two older brothers and he got stuck behind a fridge. And that's where the the idea came from for the character and the claustrophobia. Wow, I didn't know that. So no. whether, whether that's one of those bit of trivia that is, you know. It's it's not one I've managed to pull out of my arse. I definitely but, uh, read that somewhere, yeah. Yeah, that sounds really interesting. But yeah, there's again, we could talk again days and days and days about body double, days and days and days about rear window. But now we've got to talk about disturbia. Let's move on. 
you can't help it, can you? Actually, no, absolutely not. <laughs> so again, this is this is your you brought this to the table. I brought body double to the mm-hmm. table. So um, so tell us a little bit about Disturbia. Disturbia, yeah. I think I mentioned it right right at the start. You know, kind of an unofficial remake, I would say, of Rear Window. In this so, case, so much so it got sued for being. A oh, rip-off. did it? I didn't know yeah. that. Okay. Um, it was it was dismissed out, out of court. They were like, mm. no, this, it doesn't hold up because there's a lot of uh, subplots, there's a lot of other stuff going on. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot more technology involved, mm-hmm. different characters, different ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, yeah, like you said, an unofficial remake. The skeleton is definitely there, isn't it? Uh, we have a young man played by Sheila Buff who is in a tragic car accident and his dad is killed and subsequently becomes a bit of a troubled teen. Punches his teacher in the face. Um, teacher has been a bit of a dick, if I'm honest. Being a teacher myself, that wasn't the right way to handle that situation in the classroom. Not that he deserves to get punched either, but, you know, clearly this kid needs a bit of a break. And because of that, gets put under house arrest. So from there, the story goes in the, in the place we'd expect. He's completely bored. His mum cuts him off from kind of his iTunes and his computer games and um, he has TV, which he gets bored of quickly. So he starts watching what's going on in the neighbourhood around him to the point where he can... Um, you know, to the minute, know what's going to happen with his neighbours, um, which is a really cool scene, actually. Um, and then he comes to suspect that his next door neighbour is a serial killer. Mm. So he rapes his best friend and the new sexy hot young thing that's moved in next door <laughs> um, to help him out in his investigations. Yeah, again, kind of this, kind of what we've talked about already, but kind of just mm-hmm. a mod a modernised uh, version yeah. of it. Um, and you said at the top as well that. Um, Old Shia LaBeouf's had a had a rough go at, yeah. at it um, the last the last few years. You know, he's had, I think he's had some troubling stuff and problems and what he wants to do with his career and um, interesting choices in regards to so film treatment stuff. stuff came out, didn't it as well about how? Did, oh, did it? Yeah, just just being a you know a bit of a. I'm underplaying it. I don't know why I'm underplaying it. I think um, his partner, which was an act, the actress that was in um, Honey Boy with him, I think. Right, they they got together and came out saying that he was a bit of an ass. You know, he was an asshole to me. He was abusive, you know, gaslighting me, and right. yeah, a bit abusive. Yeah, uh, very very troubled young man. Um, yes. one way or another. I um, think it's another case of child actor that has some deep seated psychological issues because of not being allowed to grow up. By the sounds of it. Yeah, again, it's a lot of pressure, a lot of work for for even you know a child or an adult, even you know, mm-hmm. um, or teenagers as well. But uh, but I've I've always kind of like those early those early kind of films. Yeah, I do I do kind of relate to him. I can see that kind of sardonic, mm-hmm. sarcastic mm-hmm. wit. Um, there's a humor to it. I think he was allowed to improvise a lot on this film as well. I think he was given makes a, sense. a bit of license. So there is a bit of that. Um, I th- I think the. I think a lot of the opening scenes with the dad were almost purely improvised, I believe. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I think he's a very talented uh, individual. You know, we're not going to excuse anything that, he, that he's done no. that is wrong, but I think looking at him as an artist in terms of his, as an actor and as a filmmaker now, he's a very talented person, I think. you. I think you said it, you said it in your review recently um, on your WordPress, um, how this could be considered a lesser film. Because yeah. of because of his influence, because of maybe Shia LaBeouf's involvement, because there's some people that really don't you know gel with him or mm-hmm, his mm-hmm. acting style or who he is or like you said things he may or may not have done. But I I really enjoyed this. I I think it's a it's a kind of a slick thriller. Again, again the kind of surveillance element. I like the more kind of 
electronic nature of it and the kind mm. of the evolution of the rear window um mm-hmm. kind of framework and again it kind of some really disturbing stuff in it as well like seeing mm. the bo- seeing the body when you see the bodies it's not really spoilers but when you see the bodies in the end it's yeah. really quite dark it's almost like they're almost look like they've been in the ring or something they're all like it does yeah this is another one that becomes like a slasher towards the end i think i'd say the last kind of Mm. 20 minutes or so is basically a slasher movie yeah again maybe a little nod to hitchcock as well with psycho and stuff and and maybe on the previous on body double as well there's a bit of that yeah and i think there might even be a little dial m for murder in body double as well maybe somewhere. yeah sure that would make sense yeah yeah i've I've heard that but i've not seen dial m for murder so i'm not 100 sure so don't take me at my word but um (laughs) I think I think it's the most relatable of the films. Yeah, I, I think it's the most grounded. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the most real. Yeah, it's very believable. It's very yeah. yeah. All of this could act- actually happen. Absolutely, and it's mm-hmm. not it's not played in a you know like we said we talked about this heightened reality in the previous two films and this kind of theatricality as well. But this is just like playing it straight, honest. You know, good. You know, it was quite a, a hit as well. It was very popular. This film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it like really... it came came out like pre summer, didn't it? And um, was it like number one for three weeks? Made about eighty million or something. Yeah, for small budget. Yeah, tiny budget, tiny budget. But I get it. I absolutely get it. Mm-hmm. It was fun. It gripped me from from beginning to end. You know, mm-hmm. um, I didn't know about the the dad's death. Um, so that yeah, it was almost like I put in the wrong film initially. I was like, yeah, yeah, sure, because it's quite nice. It's quite like oh, like it's quite soft and you know, fly fishing idyllic. Yeah, I love moment, you, Dad. Yeah. You know all that. Sort it of is, stuff. yeah, yeah. And then and then it just you know drops the bomb on you, and it's again quite a devastating scene. And it doesn't. Um, the director didn't want to show the dad's body. Mm-hmm. They just they just wanted to show Shia LaBeouf's reaction. Yeah, and, and that's where you see him as an actor. Absolutely fantastic that moment. It's very um, similar, isn't it? In that way, as in terms of like a hard, cold opening to um, the descent, that has a very similar opening, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of um... we have that psychological impact later on due to this kind of terrible accident that characters then blame themselves for subsequently. Mm. Yeah, it's it's uh, yeah devastating. I, I I talked about Midsummer recently and how devastating the opening scene and that is. Mm. Um, again, it has a lot to do with the film and nothing as well at the same time. Um, yeah. I'm still I'm still very conflicted about how I feel about that film. Mm. Um, I definitely need to sit down and watch it again. Uh, I've Oof. talked about it over Grimfest as well. Um, but that's an investment watching that film more than once. I know, I know. I might even do the extended one, which is like four Ooh, hours or something, okay. um, just to kind of go. Finally, do I like this or not? Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, but yeah, and and it's got a great cast as well. You've got Carrie Ann Moss yeah. is there as the mum, yeah. um, who is great. You know, it's it's not a big role, but she yeah. she a plays bit underwritten and under and underutilized, but she does what she does, she does well, yeah. Yeah, she's she plays I think she plays kind of stern mother figures quite well, or stern kind of yeah. You know, uh, especially in like Jessica Jones and the Netflix Marvel mm-hmm. stuff, she plays that kind of stern, slightly cold yet warm. Uh, she was in um, Humans. It was on Channel Four as well, playing a, like a scientist rather than a mother, but like a scientist doing a similar mm-hmm. mold. Very good in that too. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. I've been meaning to get around to Humans. I hear amazing things about it as well. I love it. Yeah, I thought yeah. it was great. Uh, David Morse is their next to neighbour, isn't he? He is. I do like David Morse. Mm. He, he pops up in a lot. Like before, he's always that guy. He is, like, and you're like, oh, good, he's in this. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Like uh, 12 Monkeys, and, you know, I, there's a mil- million. Yeah, The Rock. Yeah, shit. Yeah. There's a million films we could name with him in. Um, <laughs> and you're like, oh, yeah, that guy, the, the kind of white gray hair. Yeah, yeah, that guy. The tough one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, he's apparently he was quite method on this film as well. Like, he, that would be scary. 
He did not spend any time with the actors, did not talk to the actors. Mm-hmm. Apparently, he also, uh, Shia LaBeouf also broke his fingers, like mangled his fingers in a tank. Oh, okay. And he just said, let's carry on. All right, yeah. So he really took this part seriously. Again, mm-hmm. I, I think it is like, it's a bit one note, I'll be honest. Like, mm-hmm. I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not complaining um, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. about his performance, but I think there's not much. It's like, he's an intimidating guy. Even even though he's like, like with the... With like Thorwall in Rear Window, I think there's mm-hmm. there's a little bit of sensitivity there, and this is like, I'm going to murder you. I'll make yeah, you feel yeah, very, yeah, very. Agreed. I'm going to hurt you. I'm going to make you feel very, 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 very uncomfortable. Like I might yeah. hurt you, but then I might kill you. You know, he's talking to the mum or flirting with the mum a bit. That's the only scene, isn't it, where he sh- tries to yeah put a bit of charm on for her. But I agree with you. Yeah, yeah it didn't really work for me that that particular section. Um, yeah. I think when he's being intimidating, it's good. But again, there's no like you know softness or you're always aware that he's the murderer again like you said Agreed. it's a, a how he's done it not a who done it and again there's all this kind of doubting and stuff um what do you think of the two kind of side characters in this so you've got uh ronnie and uh what did you describe her as the hot, the hot totty next door or something yeah the new hot young uh, yeah. next door neighbor yeah ronnie is just your standard stock kind of best mate isn't he which you get in a lot of these movies However, I think um, her performance... Uh, Sarah Roma plays... Sarah actually. Roma, thank you. Well, I, mean, I think there's a reason why I can't remember her name because she hasn't really gone on to do much else. No. But I think she really elevates what is a another stock character. Paper thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who is really there to you know, be shown from Michael Bay angles. I think her performance really elevates it. And I think at times she she is up at almost a co-lead with Sheila Buff's main character until they decide to completely write her out the movie in the last... 20 minutes. Yeah. Where does, does, where does she go? I, I he sends her off to call the police, doesn't he? You go and get the police and I'll deal with this. And then she's just gone. She's a real, I think it's a real loss. I think her, maybe her coming back right at the, we could have done that. And then her coming back into the house right at the end and having a role to plan defeating him or. Yeah. Because her presence is missed when she's gone, which I think says something about what she'd managed to do with this paper thin character before. But the, the whole, one, one of the things I really like about is the, is the, the tag the tag, I think that's really, I think that's house utilized. Tag. Yeah, yeah, the house arrest tag is really utilized quite well. Um, I like when he sets the the barrier and the border, so he knows when and where not to to go out. I like the the visits, the constant kind of visits when he steps out of lines, like you better not do this, you know, all that sort of. Yeah, stuff. which is the police officer, which is the the cousin of the the teacher he punched. Yeah, so yeah, that clever little element there, don't we? So he's a bit, he's a slightly a bit more harsher when he, like, literally they'll put they point a gun at him. Like when he's he's just stepped yeah. out of his house, they're like, get on the ground. You know, I was like, that's a bit much, I think, for a house arrest teenager. Like yeah, if you had true. if he had a gun or a knife, maybe I'd be like, yeah, point a gun. But you can you can take it's a skinny Shia LaBeouf, you can take him. You know? <laughs> like two two grown cops, buff cops could take it. But I, I love that I love the use of it because and again, like you don't need to, uh, to go and call up call the police because the idea of the tag is it's gonna set off when he goes out the parameters anyway, and the police are gonna come. Yeah. So what's the it's point of going true. going off to call the police? Yeah, absolutely written out. And then Carrie Ann Moss basically does nothing for the the, the last She's half. She's damsel in distress, isn't she? Yeah. How how weird that we've talked about Rear Window, mm. ni- 1954, mm-hmm. and how progressive that was. Yeah. And 2007, is it? I Seven, think? I think, yeah. And how the opposite, it's almost like it's a complete shift. And it's kind of almost scary that that's the way filmmaking has gone or the messages have gone it's so backwards to me i don't know why 
And when you think about, you know, the stuff we've spoken about with Body Double as well, you know, we're talking about the porn industry and we've got him watching through through a telescope and watching this kind of, you know, sexy striptease dance. And there is objectification in, in that, absolutely. But that that then gets challenged, challenged and questioned yeah. and, and later on in the movie. Whereas here it's not. It's like, you know, Whoa, she's fit. Or look at her in a bikini. And, and then and then because they take her out of the movie, I kind of understand it. You know, this is a teen movie, so that we're going to get teen boys interested. And I'm, I'm not saying it's okay, but I'm saying I understand the motivation behind having an attractive young woman in a, in a movie. But if you give her a character, that kind of helps to assuage any worries of, yeah. of the objectification. But she also she also again she doesn't really challenge it herself. She almost like she almost is like. I quite like when you watch or kind yeah, of... Yeah, which, again, I think it's okay because, you know, ownership yeah. of your own body... It, yeah, sure. I, in a way, I think that helps to to answer... The, the scene when he's watching her in the bedroom and she's doing the yoga, and I think that helps to answer that. I think that's okay. The swimming pool stuff, less so. But I think the fact that she's engaging here in that, I think it, it is all right. I mean, hmm. I spoke on the Buffy episode, on, on the Angel episode with Tony recently about, you know, Chris Carpenter going on to, to be in Playboy. And, like, great, that's ownership of her body. That's fine. And that feels like what this character's doing. Hmm. at that point until you write her out and then it becomes problematic again yeah um there is a line where he's he said you know he's been watching her and paying attention but then he says all the kind of little things she does like it's not like yeah it's not like oh you've got a great pair of tits love you know yeah sure it's, not, it's like you know you look in the mirror you're not quite sure of yourself you're not sure of you know you're living in an abusive you know you've got a difficult family environment you know he sees all that stuff and then she's like eh, it's kind of creepy but kind of sweet in a weird way um and i think that's well delivered that line i think yeah. it's, it's true yeah yeah it's kind of it's kind of nice and and, and he's earnest his earnestness kind of yeah pay, plays for and stuff yeah but then he's also a little bit possessive and you know when she's not when she's having a party and yeah he's like you're you're a conformist you're conforming yeah 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 yeah. it's like it's like oh shut up you dick yeah (laughs) you know just let let her have she's allowed to have a party you can't go of course because you punch your teacher it's your own bloody fault you know uh, not that the teacher was particularly nice anyway or saying very nice things but still you, you still did that as, as much as we all wanted to punch our teachers at least one teacher <laughs> have any of have any of your students ever wanted to punch you jack not you know, to my you know knowledge what? but you know what they're saying behind my back who knows yeah oh punch him punch him <laughs> i doubt it i'm sure i'm sure all your students love you very much <laughs> mm. depends on the day maybe yeah, maybe. Maybe it depends on the grade as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I th- there's, there's. I think he's meant to be likable. Again, they do, they do challenge the voyeurism and stuff, and they do question it, and they do. Yeah. Not as much as the other films. I think there is a yeah. bit more of a leeriness, and there's a bit more like. I agree. This it is, is t- a bit retrograde compared to films which are you know. 30 50 years before i completely agree with that statement yeah and i think you know this is this does come out in the same year as as michael bay's transformers so i think you, you don't have to look too hard to, to see why like as you said it's kind of an era of filmmaking where this is acceptable it's spielberg produced this as well so i imagine kind of just moved him across and then he was in indiana jones wasn't he after that so yeah yeah I th- it's, yeah whatever maybe we'll blame spielberg it's your fault spielberg you do this. <laughs> I'm not sure Spielberg and um, he, Michael Bay's leeriness have ever been said together in the same sentence, but you've just done it. I love it. Spielberg ruins cinema. <laughs> <laughs> he likes leering at girls. Kidding, kidding. Uh, I'm not saying that Spielberg did all this, but yeah, there is there is that element. And I think, yeah. like we said, I think the female characters, unfortunately, unlike Rear Window, mm. paper thin, disposable, unfortunately. Ronnie, I found very fucking annoying. 
I did you? Okay. I'll be honest. I found him really irritating. It was nice. It was nice that he had like. It was good to see like a non-white friend. I think that sure. was a good thing. It was great. Great to see kind of a bit more inclusivity and stuff. But they didn't have to make him that fucking annoying. Mm. It's just a kind of like he's a bit. They're always a bit pervier. The friends aren't they? They're always a bit. That's true. Much yeah. the, the comedy relief. But the worst thing for me is when he pretends to be dead. Yeah, yeah. It's a weird moment, that isn't it? It's it's not funny. It's an arsehole move. Literally called the cops. Literally, he's going to go to jail. There is a potential murderer in that house that you've been mm-hmm. in. You've left your phone in there. You could get caught. You could be murdered, if not injured. Or sh- like this is America. He, they could shoot him dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just yeah, yeah. Just, just for being in his house. Amazing. I just thought, what an arsehole. I was just like, he's not very likable. Um, and I th- I, yeah, I just found him a bit irritating. I, I, I did find, like, not all the way through, but mm-hmm. I'd, I'd say like, I'd say like 75% of the way through, he was a little bit much, I felt. I think that's fair to say. Do you think there was any, do you think this is poor writing? Or do you think there's any intention to help? You know, he's he's like an exaggerated version of perhaps what Sheila Burst's character could be. Do you yeah. think there was an intention there or do you think it's by accident? Maybe, maybe it was to make him look less creepy or pervier yeah. via, via the voyeurism. But also we've got to, like, the technology aspect of this film is, is interesting because we've yeah. got We've got, you know, we've got binoculars, telescopes, you know, like the previous films, but we've also got cameras. And yeah, recording CCTV equipment. and surveillance. Edit, yeah. Editing, you know, you're mm. under proper surveillance. You've got, you know, audio. You know, he's, he's bored with the TV and stuff, but he's still allowed all his computer and tech and all yeah. that. <laughs> um, he's, he's a little like, uh, he's a little Andrew Garfield in The Amazing Spider-Man building all this <laughs> wacky, yeah. wacky stuff. Um, but yeah, like, I quite enjoyed that. And I think it was a good evolution of that yeah. uh, initial idea. Adds a little bit more to it. There's a good uh, little like MacGyver 18 type scene, isn't there? When he's got his different bits of tech that he's like soldering together and he makes some cool little like camera device but i thought that was played off nicely in terms of like the it's kind of the tech savvy youth versus like the kind of analog middle age isn't it i think that mm. i think there was a kind of little commentary there that oh was definitely quite interesting and like they're having the classic car as well and yeah that, and like he's a work he works on the car he improves the car. and he has a line doesn't he which is like you know I, I like to be private i don't like to be seen and watched which you know mm. we're entering a world where you can't escape that mate i'm afraid Absolutely. so that's how we could get away with it before but now He's not this, evolved with the time. You know, I, I, if there's any, if there's any movie that's probably worth a remake now, it probably mm. is, probably is Disturbia out of the three because it's so technologically kind of advanced. Um, I will say as well, the the opening kind of sequence where he's bored out of his mind mm. through through COVID has only become more relatable. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I was like, you know, I'm going to start gluing Twinkies together and making a tower, <laughs> you know. And, and Shia LaBeouf did the research. He spoke to people that were under house arrest and what they did and how they dealt with it and, you know, what they did with the time, what they learned and things, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it really was um, was quite quite fascinating in that and and again like you can see there was there is quite key specific details and differences um between the previous films and this uh mm-hmm. to, to make it so unique itself and so enjoyable yeah. um what what rating was this was like a, a 15 or i don't know it feels like it would be a 12 to me 12 yeah pg13 12a sort of thing yeah 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 i don't yeah. know but that, it feels like it would be because it does, like we said, it does have those slashery vibes. And, and no, no, the, fifteen. You're right. Fifteen. 15. Yeah. I think it was probably think, the dead bodies. On. Dead bodies. Yeah, the I last think. sequence. I would say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that'll do it. Um, and maybe some of the leeriness, maybe some of the you know the teenage leeriness stuff. Yeah, because there's no, there's no like, I mean, there's you know, there's there's teenage lust, but there's no sex. It's not really any bad language that I can think of. 
No, not really. Not off the top of my head. Um, was there, is there anything else you want to say about Disturbia before we go into our final decision making? No, I think I'm. I think I think we've hit it. I think we've. It makes sense. It's the one we've got the least to say because yeah. it is the most mainstream kind of commercial of. That's weird to say because Hitch was very commercial, but it is that kind of like modern commerciality about it. So I think, and it and it worked. That modern commerciality yeah. did work for. Yeah, them. yeah. So so um, you know you know they they did they did the right things they got the result they wanted um yes. doesn't quite know. have the same level of artistry as, as the other two no no i don't i don't think so but you, you've actually you've actually suggested maybe another um hitchcockian and is it, it dj caruso dj caruso yeah 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 so you've suggested maybe another clone balls in the f- future that we could do which was yeah, uh North by Northwest and the Eagle Eye. I Eagle Eye, yeah, yeah. And arguably Enemy of the State, I think. The Will Smith one, but yeah. maybe, if we can maybe. cope with three. but um, Maybe. I might, have yeah. an, I, might, I might have another one for Enemy of the State. Oh, nice, okay. So, um, but That's we'll, a little uh, underrated little movie that is as well. Yeah. You know what? I've never seen it in full, that one. Okay. Never seen it in full, but I've heard very, very good things. But mm. yes, so this is it. We're here to compare. So... As normal, we have our five categories. Mm-hmm. Um, Jack has forgotten them, so I will remind him. <laughs> That's supposed to be a secret. You said it out loud, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, maybe you said it before, but I'll, I'll remind you. Andy Andy forgets them every time, every way. And it's, oh, he, well, I'm in good company then. Yeah, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. It's my job to remember this. I'll just tell you them. You make the decision. Okay, so uh, like I said, we've got tiebreakers if we need them. Yeah. Um, but we'll start with writing so which film rear window body double or disturbia has mm. the best writing i think because of the layers gotta go body double rear, rear window has the template and has the, the, the as we said like the laser precision of what it wants to do disturbia has the, the clever like the tech savvy modern update but mm. body double has so much about it that it, it takes a real skilled writer and then ultimately director to turn that into a cohesive, enjoyable movie that it is. So I would probably go body double. Yeah, and I think it takes it takes some skill to combine Vertigo with Rear Window and, yeah, then, yeah, yeah. and also make it feel totally unique and original. Yes, uh, which body double 100% does, yeah. Absolutely, and it gives it a, a unique feel, a unique atmosphere. And again, all the while giving us that meta commentary, mm. you know, making fun of stuff, you know, taking parts of Hollywood, taking experiences like Brian De Palma's experience and things, mm. just adding that. Um, I have to agree with you. I have to, to totally agree with you. I think, you know, Rear Window is an A to B plot. It is a good A to B plot. Yeah, yeah. But it's you know it's 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 pretty solid, pretty straightforward mm-hmm. um, as a narrative. You know, Disturbia is very similar, apart from the kind of you know technology and a few modernized mm-hmm. kind of updates. I th- I think I would have to go with with Body Double as well. Yeah, absolutely. Takes an early lead. Boom! Quick one that as well. <laughs> Did have to discuss that for ten minutes. That's good. Um, right. So the next one will be acting. So. Which mm. one features the best acting? That is a much tougher category, isn't it? Because I would argue here, despite extolling his virtues when we were discussing the film, mm-hmm. in terms of the leads, Body Doubles is the least impressively Craig Weston compared to Sheila yeah. Booth, yeah. Jimmy Stewart. And then obviously you've got your criticisms of Ronnie, which I you know, I take completely on board with the character of Ronnie and, and the performance of, of that. I think here we're going to go real window. Jimmy, Jimmy Stewart, obviously. Grace Kelly, obviously. But actually, all the other smaller characters, whether they're speaking or 
just seen doing yeah. a performance or a mime, if you like, all completely convinced as real people rather than actors playing parts. So as good as um, Melanie Griffiths is, as good as Sheila Buff yeah. is, I don't think they're as supported in their performances as everybody is in Rear Window. It feels very much like everything that all the all the jigsaw pieces fit together and you know it, it's it's yeah. not you know we talk about Shia LaBeouf and we talk about Melanie Griffith because they're standout performances yes because they stand out from the crowd in those films mm. not that necessarily the other performances are bad but mm. because those are so good we were mm-hmm, talking mm-hmm. but if we're talking we're talking a strong ensemble and again acting at a distance yeah as well yeah. like your face like obviously your eyes are very expressive the windows to the soul your face is very expressive you can't really see that in most no. of these kind of side characters and they are integral um to to the plot you know and not necessarily you know so much with the other two that these kind of you know there is a little bit with Shia LaBeouf and like the, the kids watching porn and things and he's playing mm-hmm. around with that and there's a bit of humor there and but it's not as it's not as like you know he he very briefly watches because it's a very it's very fast paced I will give that to Disturbia yeah it does have a pace to it and uh, and that's a good thing for it I think um but I have to agree I think again the relationship we talked about it kind of as well the relationship between Grace Kelly and the mm. the chemistry again just the creation of that world and creation mm. of the the set and and everyone's linked together and and like the actors basically lived in there as well the yeah, yeah, yeah. power you know again. Again, brings that realism to it and brings another level of of something different, something unique. So, yeah, I have to agree with you on that one as well. Ooh. Great minds think alike. Let's find out what's next, though. Maybe this will be our divisiveness. Mm. Music. Interesting. So Disturbia, I'll be honest, I can't really remember the music for Disturbia. Well, it's, a lot, it, it's poppy. I, mean, I can't think of a score, but it's, you know, kind of, yeah, it's got Kings a few of Leon, like... and it's got that kind of. Like, oh yeah, yeah, it did have some Kings of Leon, didn't it? Yeah, that, that, that kind of 2007 rock yeah. pop soundtrack, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> whatever was whatever was popular at that time, play. Yeah, exactly. That's it. We'll shove that in. Absolutely. 2007 think... playlist. Yeah, <laughs> agreed. Body guess... Double had that amazing tune you're talking about. I agree. It's really catchy and sticks sticks in your head and really stays with you. I don't know if I can say the same about Ruindo. I guess we were talking earlier as well that most of the sounds from Rear, rear Window and the music was, was mm. diegetic, so it was the yeah. the lived-in sense of it. So if you're, I mean, if you're talking that, I guess if we use it in that way, that it's mm. more the sound and the atmosphere. Like and a the, soundscape rather yeah. than a, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, so maybe we can, you know, but there are like things like, I think there's a big Crosby song in there, the piano player t- mm-hmm. plays. I think that's some more rays in there and a few of the, just a few of the kind of little ditties and stuff. Um, but yeah, it's not really, and I think again, that kind of makes it a bit more kind of draws you in a bit more again um, yeah. because of that. But yeah, there's not really music, I would say. No. Um, I am going to go with body double because mm-hmm. That that music just I've been doing I've been listening to it all week and it's been in my head all week. You know, and it's it's a lovely little tune. Again, there's there's a lot of kind of more menacing and you know it feels more like it, like it has a score as opposed to the other two films. Yeah, I think, I think the main argument yeah. here the main argument yeah. here is that Body Double has has a score and the other two don't. <laughs> I think I can yeah I think that's it. You know I think if I was going to stick something on in the background it might be. Disturbia to see what what was on the soundtrack and what I missed and what I can't yeah. remember or not. The thing that elevates Body Double above the two is a purposefully um, 
design score to support what's going on. Yeah, I completely agree there. Yeah, and there is there is definitely like the, the themes where it is more threatening and where it is more tense, yeah. more suspenseful. It's there. I can't I can't remember it because all I remember is that telescope. <laughs> yeah, oh, and of but, course Frankie says relax. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Totally forgot about that. Like, <laughs> I, I mean, that's a. I don't need to talk about any other music in the in the film. Just that. Just like that's that it. music. That music yeah. video done. All right. So that's two to body double, one to rear window. Oh, let's see cinematography so which film looked the best considering what i was what you know what i already had in my mind and then this information you give me tonight of this idea of like hitchcock using the restrictions to to help him put an audience into that even more into that character that's that that's really quite inspirational and quite impressive so i think that's got to go to the rear window yeah i mean body double is is slicker, more stylish, more polished yep. as a film. Um, Disturbia is very kind of like steady cam, kind of it's a yeah. bit shakier, it's a bit more frantic and and frenetic. Like, oh my god, someone's there and we're doing things. And uh, both matching what those films want to do. Agreed. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like he's, he's holding the camera and he's shaking it and stuff. Like literally, that is what the desired effect is, and it is effective in that film. Yeah. But yeah, I just I just think the the pure majesty. And like mm-hmm. I said, even though you can tell it's a set, it's still very very good that you can get that much out of a set and that realism, that world building, if you will, um, mm-hmm. from what he did and how he did it. Hitchcock is a genius. Like we can't we you can't really argue with that. And yeah, uh, and there's I a think- reason why the next two films are talking about are. In Absolutely. a line after him. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. When you know, people have, you know, when you steal, steal from the best. That's what they yeah. say. So um, so yeah, I th- I think I have to agree with you there. Uh, based I'm agreeing with your with my statement from earlier that you agreed <laughs> with. So I'm basically just agreeing with myself. So I'll go with that. Steal from the best, as you just said. Steal from the best. <laughs> Fair enough. Um yeah, so that's uh, so that's two to rear window and two to body double, am I right? It is. It's close, and then Disturbia just right at the end. Oh, poor Disturbia! Yeah, <laughs> no. Um, so this is the this is the final category. Um, we are going to have a winner. We are going. Looks like we're going to have a winner. Unless Disturbia gets it. Exactly. Let's find out. So, uh, direction. So the the obvious one would be Hitchcock, but I think Brian De Palma does an exemplary job with his, um, and again brings us into that very odd world that he's created. Yeah. Um, and again, I think. It, like I said, I think he betters some of the stuff that that Hitchcock had done, maybe in Rear Window. I'm not saying he's is better than Hitchcock. No, I think some of those filmic elements that Hitchcock probably revolutionised. He's yeah. gone. Well, I can I can do that, but I can do this with it, or I can improve on that. I can build something yeah. with that, or build another thing, or segue that into another thing. So I think there is there is definitely something to be said for De Palma's body double. There um, is, and I think DJ Crusoe as well has that. Uh, Along the lines you were saying before, has done, done has made the right film for the time in which he was making it, um, and handles the the varying um, elements of like when to um, you know give us CCTV footage, not C, you know like camcorder footage. He, he he handles that well. Yeah, transitioning between the two, it can be yeah quite, quite jarring if you do it if you do it wrong. But yeah, he like he's he's a good director. He's got a very good kind of he's got a good eye when it comes to what he wants and he gets the results that he wants to do um yeah. like i said fast frenetic 
you know, all over the show and yeah, mm. yet very kind of, you know, laser focused when it needs to be as well. Mm. Um, yeah. Like when you're, when they're figuring out the details and stuff or whether figuring out the, how the tag works and stuff. It was nice to see uh, Viola Davis uh, <laughs> put it, putting uh, electronic uh, tracking devices on other felons again. That was nice. After I finished watching, I was like, who was that? Like I couldn't even place it. And then, of course, you were messaging today about it. Yeah, absolutely, it's true. Yeah, that, um, I, I wish she had a bigger role in it, to be honest, because I think she was a little wasted. Because yeah. I thought her character was quite interesting, kind of a nice, yeah, firm mm. um, kind of policewoman, mm-hmm. person, parole officer, if you will, whatever it was. Um, but yeah, so so yeah, it's, it, this is. I think this is probably the trickiest category. This is this is, and I think anytime you're not going to pick Alfred Hitchcock. You're going to have people saying, "How could you not pick yeah, it?" Yeah, exactly. However, mm-hmm. I think De Palma. I think Body Double. I think for similar reasons to what we said about his handling of all the disparate elements, and and I completely agree with what you said before. I think more so Vertigo than Rear Window. Yeah, I think he he's treading on he's treading in footsteps that have gone before him, but he's making them deeper. Oh, nice! I like that. I like that. Um, so I'm I'm going to go Body Double. Right. Well, I'm going to agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> Pause for dramatic effect. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I absolutely have to agree with you. I think there is something as 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 progressive as Rear Window was and yep. as revolutionary as, as Rear Window was. There is something about it that is that feels maybe a little dated. Like it has, of course. yeah, yeah, like yeah. It, ha- it has been what sixty years. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like it's gonna happen. It's literally yeah. gonna happen. It still yeah. holds. It absolutely still holds its power. Mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. still an excellent film. Again, Disturber as well, which has kind of been left out in the cold a little bit in this one. Um, but you know, it happens when you got three different ones fighting yeah. for that position. Um, but I have to agree. Yeah, I think. I think. I think the best thing for us to do was to watch Vertigo actually in, yeah. in deciding this because we look at we both look at Vertigo. We have a similar feeling about Vertigo. Mm. Eh, eh, it's not great. But then looking at the improvement and taking those mm. kind of core mm. concepts and those core ideas and De Palma goes, yeah. no, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that and I'm going to connect that and, you know, and then I'm going to put all this Hollywood stuff in and the porn industry and, yeah. you know, layer upon layer, like you said, like a big, great onion, um, yeah. you know, and it, and it's it's great. It's slick, stylish, music's great. So, yeah, I have to give it to Body Double, which... Um, I, di- I didn't expect. Again, I never come in with a with a mm. a decision because I like the discussion. I like yeah, to see yeah, where, yeah. We, where we go and what you think and what I think. But if, yeah, if you stacked all three films up and and told me to say which one is the best, mm. I probably would say Rear Window. Yeah, but in terms of the categories we're talking about and breaking it down in terms of the, the elements that make it the film, we've decided, and I think rightly so, that Body Double comes out on top here. So. Yeah, if we're going to talk like excellent film, like quality cinematic film, legacy, yeah, mean, cinematic right? legacy. If you're going to yeah. talk uh, revolutionary, influential, <laughs> Rear Window would win. I think yeah. if you're looking for relatability, mm-hmm. I think Dis- Disturbia would win. Yeah, that's a nice point. Yeah, and if I'm if I'm just looking, if I'm just looking for pure enjoyment, which is is what I'm doing these in these podcasts, I go, yeah. which one did I enjoy the most? It is yeah. body. It is body double. A body double is a is a pure cinema movie. Absolutely, that's like cinema exists for movies like Body Double. Agreed. Absolutely, and it's a it's a love letter yet kind of um, a, a I don't know a, 
a hate letter as well in some respects yeah. to yeah, some yeah, Hollywood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. If, um, you know, it's it's a you know, it's got its detractors and its critics and stuff. But um, but you no, know, I you know, whatever you feel about body double, um, you know, everyone's entitled to their opinion. Please tell us which mm. version, which version of Rear Window. Um, I mean, tell us about the other ones that we mentioned as well earlier on. If yeah. if you prefer those, maybe you know, we can come back and look at those. Maybe in another one, another Clone Balls or something. Uh, but yeah, that is that is it. So body double. So um, again. Totally surprised me, but again, check out all these films. They're all excellent. I genuinely mm. really enjoy. Not a bad one in the bunch. Genuinely, no, um, I watched them all. I had four days. I put aside. It was like four days in a row. Rear window, and then I checked in with you, and I did Vertigo next, and then a Body Double, and this day. But it was a thoroughly enjoyable uh, run of four movies in four days. I have to. I have to agree as well. I've I've had a lot of uh, a lot of fun kind of binging them over the weekend, mm. and uh, yeah, and I'm glad I was able to do this with you. And I think this has been a really good discussion. I'm not sure how long it's gone on now, but uh... <laughs> tipped over into two, I think. Haven't we? we were tipped, I think we tipped over into two, but that's fine. That's fine with me. Um, but yeah, no, really, really good, really fun discussion. Uh, great films again. Um, but this has been a blast, and I will get you on again very, very soon. Um, so before we bring this to a close, mm. um, you have many podcasts <laughs> um, to talk about and to promote. So please go ahead and do that and talk about your social medias and where they can find you. I will. I'll keep it brief because I'm terrible at this stuff anyway. Um, yeah, the, the main place you can find me is on Twitter. It's I am Jack's Musings. That J, that's J-A-C-S. Um, and then I post my diary of consumption um, on WordPress, which you'll find through there. But yeah, that my main avenue now, which is becoming you know more and more prevalent, is is podcasting. So I'm on Seasons Greetings uh, along with Tony Farina, a uh, very nice guy who will champion you and everything that you uh, oh, absolute create. absolute diamond geezer. Um, with every fiber of his being and it will push you to be the best you can be um yeah he's a special person very genuine loving guy um couldn't say any more nice things about him genuinely what no they? it's true and you know everybody has any contact with him feels the same i think yeah. so we yeah and we've looked at all of buffy and we're halfway through angel now we'll Season three will be coming out soon. Oh, I'm so far behind. I have to catch up. Uh, well, I'll be honest. So am I right now. So we've had to delay it by a couple of weeks because I've got a bit caught up with all my October. Um, I, I, I don't, 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 don't apologise because it'll allow me you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. to get on top of everything and I can, I can catch up. So that, that's a good thing for me. I need, I need a little break after all the Grimfest and Shockphobia fests. Yeah. And all the other. Fests. I've been doing all the Halloweens for for yeah. one of my adventures for the pop gorillas. So I've been just... going through all the Michael Myers Halloween saga. I, I did that a few a couple of years ago, and mm. the final episode. From, I did it three years ago, and the final mm. episode has only just come out on. And now the podcast starts. So if you want yes, to go, I and need check, to catch you guys. Yeah, uh, God, I can't remember what I said about them to be honest. Because uh, <laughs> it's been three years for God's sake. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> but um, but it's a great podcast as well. So check them out. They've they've also covered Grimfest as well. Oh, great. Um, I've uh, just I've just finished today binging all the pop gorillas because they've just came up on Apple Podcasts, which is my uh, my particular podcast catcher mm-hmm. of choice. Um, so I've absolutely just just nailed all of those. Uh, Rhea's been great. Tony's been great. Uh, mm-hmm. I love a lot of variety there. And again, in less time than a song. So yeah, that's the whole concept, isn't it? Like yeah. keeping it soundbite, keeping it spoiler free, and just trying to. I, I need to get out of the mindset of the fact that it needs to be new stuff. Um, which yeah. Halloween which Halloween is helping me do yeah. um, 
it felt like well, I was, you know, kind of beyond trend and on. But really, you've seen me. Not, you've that, seen me. I never, I, I, you know, well, it's a proper range of stuff for me. New and, and that's old. not what my viewing is really either. Um, yeah. You know, it's here, there, and everywhere. And then also, yeah, as you said at the top, I've been promoted to a co-host of Indie Comics Spotlight, courtesy of Tony as well. So um, thoroughly enjoying that adventure because, as I do with you, I try to read and watch along with all my favourite podcasts. So that now saves me having to read anything because I'm reading it anyway to cover yeah. it. <laughs> Uh, I, I enjoyed your uh, Project Superpowers episode. That was really fun. Oh, thanks. Yeah, yeah. I, that's it. I, lo- I love, uh, I love when, uh, I love when Tony gets political. It gets, oh man, I just sat gets... back. Let you go, my friend. You go. <laughs> I lo- I, it gets all my juices flowing. I'm like, oh, this is good. Ooh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, he's great at that, and uh, and such a you know, and and he he gets across all the different points of view, and he's very sensitive about that. And mm. uh, um, there's, obviously, there's certain points of view he very much does not like, and he's very you know he's very clear about that. But I I like his measured way of of doing those sort of things, and um, he's a great guy. And um, speaking of speaking of Ria, yes, uh, Ria Carrigan, your sister, will be on mm. this podcast in a couple of weeks' time. Fantastic. So November is going to be a brother sister san- <laughs> podcast sandwich, if you will. Um, so we're gonna, she's gonna do Secret Defenders, which is usually the first um, first time podcasters often do. I go, mm-hmm. what what film do you like and nobody else likes? And she's gone with James Gunn's Slither, oh, uh, which I very much like too. So yeah. I can't wait to hear that. Yeah, I haven't seen it for a very long time, so I'm gonna I'm gonna look forward to rewatching that. Um, so yeah, that's gonna. Now that be- is definitely an eighteen. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> Tell, telling me, um, but yeah, I can't, I can't wait to go over that. I love a good, you know me, I love a good body horror, so yes. like that. And I love James Gunn's work, especially The Suicide Squad that just came out, mm. um, and that had a lot of tentacles and things in it, didn't it? So it uh, did. Agreed. Uh, there you go. Um, but Jack, this has been great. Um, but yes, uh, thank you, sir. I've really enjoyed it. Oh man, just proper deep discussion, deep dives. Mm. This, this is what we do best here. Um, uh, but yeah, this has been fantastic, and I love I love uh, looking at some weird and wackier films. But I also like going to kind of classic cinema as well. So yeah, we've hit a full gamut here, really, haven't we? We have. <laughs> we had some, so had some, we've had classic cinema, sleaze, and a bit of uh, and a bit of kind of you know mid two thousands. Yeah, contemporary commercial techno thriller type mm. thing. But yeah, um, so you can find me on Facebook. It's at Secret Balls. Twitter, it's at Dan underscore Balls. Instagram, it's at Spider Dan Secret Balls. And don't forget to use the hashtag Prepare for Prattle. And for everything else you need to know about the podcast, swing over to Spider Dan and the Secret mm. on the World Wide Web. See what I did there? Uh, <laughs> and I'd like to thank my patrons on Patreon. So I am Jack's Musings, Paul Meller, Max Byrne, Tony Farina, Scott Hodgson, and Simon Cotton who we've all just mentioned probably most of them today throughout the podcast anyway mm-hmm. great guys and they are so patient because i've been very poor in not doing extra content <laughs> um so you guys are amazing considering you don't get as much as as you should be getting and, and i'm gonna make sure you get some stuff out um i have asked what you guys want because i will literally mm-hmm. do whatever you want give me I'm, I'm gonna do two um you guys just tell me what what your best ideas are and i'll do the best two that i decide are the best um and we'll we'll see where we go from there but there is more patreon content coming and if you want to join up please do you know i appreciate as much as you can give and it does help the podcast uh podcast and prattle world keep on turning mm-hmm. um but yeah it's been fantastic this has been one of my absolutely one of my favorites jack so thanks again great i'm pleased to be a part of it 
Amazing. Right. Well, uh, take care and uh, and I wish you well. You too, my friend. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye. 